Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mega Talk Star Wars. I'm your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How are you? Surprised! I'm not walking in Star Wars. I'm happy to be here. We got Spencer, and we have Jamie, our other co-host here on Mega Talk Star Wars. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm always in Star Wars, because technically, that's long ago, so we are all living in the sequel to the Star Wars universe right now. What's what's strange is that... A very long pan to the right. Very long. A few, many, Mm. many galaxies. This podcast started with Spencer and I reviewing Mandalorian week by week. Spencer has since bid adieu, dropped off, said I can't do it anymore. I give up. And he only joins us now for the beginning, middle, and end, right? So this is the beginning mm-hmm. of Ahsoka. He will join us now. He will join us at the middle of Ahsoka and then at the end. And then week by week, uh, for the weeks that Spencer are, is not joining, Jamie and I will be doing it alone. So uh, for next week, for Ahsoka Episode 3 review, it will be Jamie and I doing that one. And Spencer will join us again, I don't know, a couple weeks whenever we get midway through the season. And, so, and I did want to clarify, it's not that he doesn't have time or doesn't care about us. He lacks the intestinal fortitude for this quality of material. It, 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 it's, a, it's a certain thing of where you need an element of training, an element of buildup that I just simply haven't been able to invest in that's necessary. I'll tell you, Spencer, Spencer and I have gone through this like strange journey with Star Wars because we both became friends and we were both Star Wars fans. It's great. Mm-hmm. And the sequel movie started coming out. And like, he started slipping off the train way faster than I did. So we had a few very tough conversations, meaning me, cussing him out, meaning me cussing him out for being really negative. We're starting to get, we're starting to get on the same page here, Spencer. I'm not going to bury the lead. I'm a little, frustrated, I'm a little frustrated with this entire thing. Um, so for folks listening, we were going to review episode one and two of Ahsoka and neither Jamie nor Spencer has reviewed or, Intake, watch, whatever, read summaries of the Clone Wars or Rebels. And I'm interested to hear just no, no, like, let's not do, let's wait for a second on commentary about the structure of it, the fact that they kind of jumped in mid-story, whatever. I just want to know, I'll start with Jamie first. Did you enjoy watching these two episodes on their own? Like when you turned it on, start, start the episode to turn it off. Was that a fun hour and a half for you? Yes. Okay. That's 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 a good starting point, Spencer. Not really. Okay. Uh, and that's the answer I expected because I without without I can't imagine what it's like trying to watch this without any backstory. Jamie, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you enjoyed it. What what, what parts you enjoyed? If you were able to like you know follow you know the story stuff like that. So if there's such a thing as a positivity rant, that's what I'm about to do. Do it. Let's go. Well, for you, go on. The thing is, sometimes those lead into great conversations, and sometimes they cut off conversations. So if Spencer has things he wants to say first before yeah, we get into the uh-huh. I'd love to hear Spencer's first. If Spencer has nothing, I'll start. I'll I'm go. going to bet that Spencer and I are more aligned, so I'd like to hear what you have okay. to say. Like, okay. give, give us the positive first. And as Lee can verify, no amount of positivity has ever altered the negativity I'm ready to offer about a show. I've given you know, him 13 I saw, I saw years about something. I, I convinced you something was awesome once. No, I've del- I've, de- I've deleted those thoughts to maintain my reality. All right. All right. Fair enough. So I liked it just fine. I know very little. I've seen half of season one of Clone Wars, so I'm aware of who the character is, kind of, kind of what she looks like. Vaguely, the early relationship she had with Anakin. That's about it. Uh, yeah. For anybody who hasn't seen me talk on the other ones, uh, big Star Wars fan. But my knowledge 
beyond the movies is spotty at best. Some of the video games I played a lot, and I know that. Some of the some of the old universe books I read a lot, but not all of them. So spotty at best. I followed it fine. And actually, the, I, I'm going to say you should start a bit which says Stump Jamie, where you ask me if something made sense that you know the answers to, and I'm going to tell you it made perfect sense. Who are the yeah, witches? Okay. We'll They're do that. space witches. We'll do that. Okay. Yep. We're going to do that. Who are the witches? They're space witches. Yeah, but what about them? They're space witches. There are space witches. What more That's do you need I, to know? Like, well, I, I say that jokingly. What more do I need to know? Not much. I accept the force as sort of magic. I accept this as maybe related, maybe unrelated sort of magic. Spoiler, I was aware that these witches existed and that there's some kind of heresy argument over whether or not they're using the force or if it's something else. And that's like literally the thing I just told you is all I know. And I don't need to know that either. There's witches now. Fine. Somehow witches returned. I don't care. That's fine. The plot line is a bit convoluted. The scroll in the beginning had a lot of information in it where I felt like I instantly needed to know a lot. But it wasn't that bad. Everything made perfect sense. If you vaguely know the Star Wars universe, then you already have enough to go in. Apparently, you know, trying to after the episodes, go on to the subreddit for the show. It was all people who are deep in the lore talking about how it didn't, didn't match this, and nobody talking about the actual show, the <laughs> format of it, the plot line of it. My people. Like, nobody's talking about being good or fun or funny or not good or not funny. It's like people want it to gatekeep, and I'm like, I don't care. The, the deeper lore will be explained if and when I need it. Every single part of it made sense to me, and the complicated, convoluted parts, honestly, if you assume people have seen movies, the new stuff that you're thrown in the middle of is not more complicated than people entering episode four when they didn't know what Star Wars was. You know, you have to know what the Force is before you get this. You have to know what uh, Jedi are. But fine. If you went into this completely blind, what do you know? There was an empire. It got overthrown. It's still kind of in the weeds with some people who are doing some shady stuff. She was not there at some battle that this person is bitter about, and they had a falling out, and they've lost a friend. Like, fine. They did all that with minimal boring exposition. Most of it was showing as much as it was telling. I feel like I got complete handle on everything. I didn't feel gate kept at all. I'm sure that there are Easter eggs in there or things that they're going to have to explain to me in four episodes when it becomes relevant that you will already know. I had no problem with it at all. I think I followed everything. I think I got everything important, and it was fun. Okay. Spencer, rebuttal? Uh, Counselor? It's, it, it, it's less of a rebuttal and more of an indirect response of where I will actually agree to a certain point that the gatekeeping argument has been oversold. I think it does stand well enough on its own as its own show. The issue is, is that it's its own show that is the fifth season of an existing show in terms of what they're expecting about the emotional response of where it was almost like you're in a live studio audience and they do those little pause moments so the audience can applaud rapidly when somebody walks on they already know. And I'm just looking around confused as to why, why why there's this long pronounced delay when a new character has walked on the scene. A lot of the actual emotional connection is working off basically assumption that you're already invested in these characters, already invested in their story, and you've come here back to see the next stage of it occurred. I got none of that. Is that gatekeeping? It is, but the story is still coherent, even if it doesn't have the emotional resonance or even attempting for that level of emotional resonance that would come from setting up kind of these characters and their arcs and their pl and the plot buildup that would be associated with that 
of the show purely operating as an independent thing. It's not that. It is a continuation, but in terms of understanding what it's going for, I get the points. I just didn't like most of them. Where a lot of the plot movements, a lot of the character interactions, a lot of just even like the editing and just moments of dialogue between characters came across to me as just kind of stilted, awkward, or doing things that just seem kind of dumb at several moments for certain characters, or even just overall directions for how they've changed certain plot lines to now fit into the new Disney canon. As a standalone show, I understood it. I just didn't particularly like it. And maybe it would have I would have liked it more if I had some degree of emotional investment built in to what these characters are and the plot that they're on. So I have a rebuttal to your response part because the whole you didn't like it. Okay, fine, fair. Like I'd love to hear more about what worked and didn't work for you. We will. Yeah, sure. The whole emotional response. The the first thing you said, I, I hear what you're saying, and that's very true. And weirdly enough, that's part of what I liked about it. So. Where you have where these two characters clearly have backstory and they're they're giving each other looks and like silent pauses where it's almost like we, the audience, are supposed to be feeling like we take sides or understanding their angst. And we don't, at least if we haven't seen all this. I like that. That makes it a living world, a vibrant. These characters have history that we just don't know yet because we weren't there. Terry was at least some people were there. We I wasn't there. Fine. That makes them feel much more real. These people have this back history. When she stands there, yeah, she gets a moment because this is somebody who that person hasn't seen in a long time. So they're taking a moment, sizing each other up kind of thing. It's almost like we're getting a peak. You're right in like season five of their lives. But, you know, they kind of cheated with costuming to show you who the bad guy <laughs> in episode well, that, four. That, that, that's Star Wars. Well, no, no, I'm saying in episode four, they kind of cheated with costuming to show you how you should feel about these people. But Princess Leia and Darth Vader in episode four clearly had backstory, and it had to be completely conveyed in costumes, glares, and insulting comments. But they had that backstory, and we didn't get to hear why they hated each other. We just got to be along for the ride. We were already coming in halfway through. It reminds me of Robert Jordan, the whole, there is no beginning or end of the story, but this part is a beginning. So... Fine. These people's lives, there is no place you could start a Star Wars movie that's not in the middle of something. And that's what I'm getting is that here we are not in the middle of the war. War! We're in the middle of these people are doing stuff and they have unresolved issues. Let's watch. Anyway, that's my big take. I love coming in the middle and then clearly having a life off screen. So, yeah, I mean, my thought is if you like that. If you don't mind being dropped into the middle of what I mean, this is this is Rebels season five, in my opinion. Like, if you don't mind that, great. Uh, then then this is probably for you. My con- my concern, first off, as someone who watched Rebels, the idea that we're going to figure out what happened to Ezra and Thrawn, the fact that we're going to see the extension of Sabine's relationship with Ahsoka and Sabine's ultimate relationship with Ezra, we get to actually flesh that out in a non like childish arena where they can actually maybe be romantic and like fuck or something like that. That is really enticing for somebody who watched rebels and then like got to the end of season four. It was like, shit, like what happened here? I like that. We're going to get all that. But my problem is that like maybe 250,000 people watched rebels as it was on television. It wasn't even on the Disney channels on Disney XD. And I found it on YouTube. Like 
that, that I was very concerned about that, that people would not want to jump into a middle of a story and have to learn all of this stuff as they go, that people would get exhausted and just not want to do that. I'm glad to hear that you want to do that, Jamie, and that you're in. But I can tell you, like my wife was watching this and was like, I'm out. Like, I, I just uh, this is too much for me to try to pick up in a show. It's not easy enough for me to intake. I'm not I'm not with it. And so it's just different like preferences. Right. But then the, the second thing I would say is that I strongly feel as somebody who watched Rebels and knows the backstory that Spencer has. Spencer has hit on something with the show might just not be that good. Like there are plotty moments, boring moments. I don't recognize Ahsoka. Like I, I loved when they cast when they cast uh, Rosaria Dawson because she has the look, but that is all she's got because she does not remotely resemble Ahsoka in any way from the character that I knew for seventy something seasons, seventy something episodes of the Clone Wars and fifty something episodes of Rebels and the book, the accompanying book that was all first person from Ahsoka. None of that resembles this character. So my concern is that people who watch Rebels or people who are in for learning as they go might just not end up liking this show because it might just not be that good. I was not that entertained by the first two episodes. So I, I will say that's an interesting point. You might be right that I might just be the type of person that it works for. Yeah. I will watch any show if I come in halfway through and that's fine, but I hate if I stop a show halfway through, I'd rather watch the second half of a show than only the first half. I want to know how it ends and I can figure out how it began, you know, in context. So maybe that's kind of what I'm doing here, maybe. Um, but, you know, if I, I, I might need a buzzer of that's not from the show. I don't care for like, all your too much backstory because it's great that they shared a moment on the moon of 12B5 Tuin, and it was obviously a desert planet, and he got sand in his eyes, but he likes sand, so that's different. I don't care. That's fine. It's not from this TV show. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to try to just give you backstory that matters and is relevant to the characters, right? So I will try to do that as we go along, as we we jump into the recap here. Have you guys seen Disney's published a recommended uh, in advance watch list for this show? And that pissed me off, too, because I watched that. So I, I went on a work trip this week where I had a lot of downtime. Uh, a lot of it was just I needed to be there. And I, I went back and watched the episodes that Disney told us to watch. And that didn't, that's that a lot did, of content. That, it, well, yeah, but it does not necessarily explain all this shit. Like <laughs> that, like the, the idea that somebody could watch that list and then jump in and understand everything that's going on. No, that's not, that's not going to work. Yeah. So I didn't I, I like, I didn't like, I didn't, my thought was, Either tell people to watch the number of episodes it's truly going to take. And if it's, if that's 50 episodes, then that's 50 episodes or don't tell them to watch anything, but don't, don't shoot the gap with something that they're going to waste their time watching and then still not understand the backstory. Uh, One thing I will offer that may reflect in some ways my overall opinion about, I don't necessarily mind about material being built in. I'm not emotionally invested in it, but I didn't think it was that good. The thing I liked best about the show seems to be the things that they just made fresh here. Like, I don't remember the name of his character, but Ray Stevenson's character as that fallen Jedi and the background with respect to that and the mercenary motivation. Balin Skull. Balin Skull. I'm guessing he's new. He is no, new. Nobody knows him. Yeah, Balin Skull is new. new. He was one of the younglings, and he built a lightsaber, and that's all I need to know about him. He's a that's, cool. not, that's not what I mean. We, have, we don't have to have watched eight seasons in terms of background respect to this character. He's being reintroduced here, and we're seeing him in the arrest. He's middle-aged at best. He's well preserved. He's not that young. Jamie, I'm going to agree with you, and you're going to let me do it here for a half second. <laughs> We're seeing him in media rest of his life. 
we're seeing that he has history. We're seeing he has backstory. We don't know it yet, but it's hinted at and it's set up. And that's done compellingly in a way the characters that actually have existing backstory you can watch aren't. Because they're not hinting at that. Other than just the, the long, very overlong stares between characters in a one-hour episode that could have been easily condensed to 30 minutes. Yes, sorry. I, I, J- Jamie's pulse is going at the point he's feeling his neck. Unreasonably long stares is a Star Wars thing. It's just Luke stared at the sun until he had dementia. Like, <laughs> but they had epic music going, and we didn't care. All right, I think it's. I think we're getting it to. Sounded like Mandalorian. That counts. It almost sounded like the Mandalorian a couple of times. I kept wondering if, if the Mandalorian ship was going to like just be off in the distance. Hey, doing it, it, so far, it's better than season three Mandalorian. I'll give it that much so far. I will agree with that, uh, but it is nowhere near Andor. Because uh, see, that's the thing. Like Andor. Andor was new characters for a lot of people um, who did, did, maybe didn't but they watch. Had lives and they had history. Um, yeah, and, and it was a little bit easier to pick up. I mean, I think like you know, my my wife's always a great test case for me. I mean, it's anecdotal, right? It's one person. She could be wrong, right? But like, she was Don't very, she's no. very, she's very into Andor right away. And this, it was just, it was just excessive. I mean, like even when I was trying to, when I had to at one point go, well, the, the, there's, there's multiple universes. She was like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> wait a second. You, this, like that was just tossed into this show that, oh, there's now multiple universes. And it's like, Galaxy. there's not multiple universes and multiple galaxies. They just have some kind of wormhole to another galaxy. Cause all this takes place in one galaxy. It's not far, all, far away. Yeah. One galaxy. And so, they found, like, Jamie, did that hole. correction did that correction change anything in the substance? Yes. The, 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 no, because yeah. the the point is is that no one we they never introduced different no, galaxies before. If you have extra universes, that's straight up literally multiverse. There's going to be another Luke who's bald and a shorter Luke because some Lukes are shorter than others and everything. Just it being another galaxy just means there's further than far away and they can go there sometimes. That's fine. They're still in the same universe. They're still like. There's not going to be, you know, three Hans pointing at each other in a circle like there's the Spider-Man. If, if you multiverse me, I would be very grumpy. And if you told her there were multiple universes, I'd check out too. Me too, actually. But yourself with your wife is what I'm saying. For the sake of structure, dear God, let's try a recap. Okay. I mean, yeah, but the, 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 I can't just let, like, what Jamie said, like, stand, because that's not how they explain the di- where the Purgles go with Ezra and Thrawn in the backstory of the show. Like, that's not like the idea is just, oh, that's just a little bit farther away on the road is not where that's not what they explain. Matter of well, fact, Ahsoka goes to a place called the World Between Worlds, like which is like supposed to be some sort of like in between galaxy where there's no time and space and she's just stuck there. And presumably that's where she is for the entirety of the of episode four, five and six. She doesn't age there. She apparently changes character. Like this isn't just, it's just a little bit down the highway. Like it, it's a different, it's a, it, they're introducing a different concept here. And that is quite confusing for people. I need my, that's not in the TV show buzzer. If they bring that up, I'll find it interesting and then I'll have something to talk about. But for now it's, just another galaxy because you can't travel between galaxies. They're too far away for even light speed. But now you found one way that you can do that. And that expo- honestly, I love that because I was like, where the hell are they hiding this Thrawn guy? Like, I don't, I don't care about him. I really don't. I don't know anything about him at all. I expect to because I think they're going to do it right. And it's kind of like where they say, well, why do we want to go there? Our enemies think he's there. And that's good enough for me. 
Why do I think Thrawn's cool? It's because you all do, and that's good enough for me for now. Okay, but, well, so it's we've we've established but, it's good enough for you. But yeah, what, well, what, but what, cons- what concerns I'm, me I'm, is that where, they needed something weird for where he's hiding, and so fine, he's in another galaxy. Got it. Or, what or concerns in, me is, is, is it is it is it supposed to be another universe and dimension? <laughs> that's what I was trying to explain to you. You said it didn't matter. Like this is what's concerning to me is that. You are you're picking up on something and you're saying, okay, this is what I understand from the show and I like it and I can run with it. But the problem is what you might be picking up is wrong from what they've established previously. So the show is then doing a disservice to the backstory and then likely where it's going. Because like if they're just established, if the people took from the show, oh, well, there's just different galaxies and then there's ways to get to the different galaxies that, that's shown on this map. And eh, it's all still in the same universe, you know, just farther away. That's not that's not how it's explained, and that is that will be it will be explained differently than that when they have to ultimately go get Thrawn and Ezra. And I was curious about that because I, I, I'm with Jamie from a pure just like they showed us a map standpoint. There's just a wormhole line going to another galaxy, and I was like, okay, that is a very odd change to Thrawn's you know uh, Legends plot line. But sure, yeah, Rebels made a big change. I'll I'll run with that. Well, but then. Just another moon wasn't wouldn't cut it for the for this guy. In, in Legends, he's just he, he just commands the uh, the outer rim fleet. He's just conquering other planets and expanding the empire. It's just it's, it's just he's not physically in the core. And then he just rallies his fleet and heads back and wrecks shop. That's his Legends plotline. Um, but more broadly, what I was worried about because it didn't make sense was, but how is the witch then live communicating with him in another galaxy in some semi spiritual kind of way? And now that may, maybe ties into the alternate universe thing that you're saying, Lee, and the show is weirdly flirting with both at present, it seems. And it doesn't, and it doesn't track with Thrawn's known abilities. Thrawn doesn't, Thrawn has zero force power. Now, by the way, Sabine had zero force power too, but I guess now we've introduced that she does. Thrawn has zero force power. Like, so yeah, that's, it's, I, I'm concerned that people, sorry, I'm concerned that people, what they're getting from this plot, particular plot line is not correct, and it will have to be straightened out later, and people will be even more confused. Yeah, the, the fun thing about Thrawn for me was that he was just a guy. He was just a very yes. intelligent, capable guy that was wrecking all of these magically powerful individuals because he was an intelligent guy with a plan and strategy and resources that he was properly bringing to bear. Now they're framing him like the big-ass boogeyman, but that's a plot choice we'll get to in episode. All, all right, right, yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. Sorry a little bit because like I would hate if this somehow retconned and changed and the deep lore fans I mean not even deep lore you just watched a TV show had to unlearn or say oh yeah that didn't really happen the way that we told you already it did I would hate that but I would also hate it if in the same show they tell us in a way that doesn't seem very enjoyable if it's pulling the wool over the audience's eyes and surprise you of oh no the way we explained it was wrong that wouldn't be fun either. So now I'm a little worried about that. And that explains why maybe folks are just getting grumpy about it. Um, and it seems like maybe a little bit of knowledge on the topic is the worst thing you can possibly have. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm only better off because I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> you're, yeah, in the, maybe. you're in the sweet spot, Jamie. Enjoy it, man. We can't take that from you. Yeah, maybe. And if you had a problem as a viewer of in the sequel movies, Princess Leia going out into space, you know, freezing immediately and then somehow using her force ability to cut, to zoom herself back onto a spaceship and live. If you had a problem with that, 
then look the fuck out because Ezra and Thrawn were on the back of a purgle in open space and went into hyperspace to another galaxy and apparently lived. So <laughs> the, all, like they, they took that thing with well, Princess Leia to another fucking level here. First of all, Ezra being alive could very easily be wishful thinking. My meta like genre savviness tells me they're probably alive, but there's no reason for any character to think that right now at all. Uh, even if he was, it sounds like Thrawn would have killed him at some point. So whatever. Uh, I, I don't care about who this Ezra guy is, except, you know, they, they killed the dog for these folks in episode one so that they have emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, as of right now, the blank slate that I am, I don't think Thrawn has any special powers. I think he's just that smart, well-connected and good at his job. And he's talking to the witch because she's a witch. She has a witch powers. She look. She, she took a long calls uh, out to me from another galaxy. It's fine. Or another universe. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, let's get to the recap. Um, so we'll start with episode one, Master and Apprentice. We start with the red uh, Lucasfilm and we get the red crawl. And the crawl, I think Jamie makes a great point, does include an awful lot of information. I will just summarize it kind of quickly here. It says the Empire has fallen. New Republic has taken its place. But sinister agents are working to undermine the peace. A plot is underway to find Thrawn and bring him out of exile. Once presumed dead, rumors are swirling that he's alive and will make his return soon. I'll explain more about what happened to Thrawn and Ezra at the end of Rebels later. Ahsoka captured Thrawn ally Morgan Elspeth, and in doing so discovers the existence of a secret map, which is, quote, vital to the enemy's plan. Ahsoka now searches for the map while Elspeth is transported to the New Republic for a trial. So Elspeth is the character that Ahsoka took uh, capture in season two of Mandalorian. She made her appearance there and met Grogu and she took Elspeth and then she did the the Jedi New Republic thing. She didn't kill Elspeth. She just took her to the New Republic for trial. And we're seeing a trend here that people capturing people and taking them to the New Republic for trial might not be the best it, it, <laughs> this it, thing to happen. Is Disney TV Star Wars really encouraging our heroes to murder people? Yeah, it's because like, like, give it, give it, got authorities loose. are useless. Gideon got loose. She's going to get loose. Yeah. Um, so I guess her crimes, because this is one thing that was a little unclear to, I was, I was trying to look at this like through the like lens of somebody who doesn't know the backstory. I would wonder like, well, what is her crime exactly? And I guess we're supposed to just infer that supporting Thrawn in and of itself was a crime for Elspeth. And that's what she's presumably she's, on trial she's for. To undermine the Republic and peace. And she's working for the empire. And, as I mean, we have pointed out, not everybody who's pro empire is necessarily evil. But if you're actively doing it, you need to be stopped from doing it, and you need to go to jail. Exactly. I'm with you. We previously, she was almost like an imperial financier. So effectively, she's funding she's funding terrorist elements, which that would get you arrested in this country in a heartbeat. So I think that's a great explanation to move into it. But I do think it gets a little bit muddled with the fact that like. The re- actual Imperial remnants, which we saw in season three of Mandalorian, don't like Thrawn, don't want Thrawn back. When Thrawn Some comes do, back, most don't. when Thrawn um, comes back, um, he will. The, the ones who want power for themselves are very lukewarm on him. The ones who want the Empire to win want him back. That's okay. I... All right. Well, then let's book in this podcast. Uh, no, not book in. Let's put a little tag here. I promise you that when Thrawn comes back, he will also quarrel with parts of the Empire. Like, I promise sure. you that that will happen uh, sure. because they're not all on board with Thrawn being the head of it, in part because of racism and in part because he was not uh, ever considered. He was like 
there were 12 grand admirals. He was the 13th. He was the secret 13th that Palpatine selected. He was never considered the next in line. So that'll be, that'll be a thing for later. So we start on board a random New Republic ship, clearly New Republic from the uniforms. He asked, uh, the captain asked him to transmit their security code. This is a, a ship that's approaching. Ship looks similar to the Imperial transport that we, uh, saw in the main series that often will take Vader or the Emperor somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say that it's an old Jedi clearance code, and I got kind of like a, a whiff of no, no, nostalgia when in yeah, uh, episode four. Return it's of like, the Jedi. Yeah, it's like it's, it's an old it's code. It's an old it code, out. but it checks out. Yeah, yeah, from the main series. So um, overconfident fucking captain says he's calling their bluff. Brings them aboard. Stupid move. Yeah, no, no, no. This is beyond overconfident. This okay, is a, fire away. This is, this is becoming institutional in how they portray the New Republic in every aspect of Disney media. These guys are blithering idiots. This is the dumbest man. He may have taken the title of the single dumbest individual we've yet seen in Star Wars. Unknown ship. You think they're lying. They're claiming to be Jedi, but you're full of, they're full of shit. You're carrying a high value prisoner to the point you're about to meet with home one. And your response to that court of events, course of events is to dock and personally go down to meet with them. This guy didn't earn his air today. Levels of stupid. Jamie, any rebuttal for you? It was was it just like yeah, it's just a captain doing a thing. Um, overconfidence is definitely endemic in the New Republic. Sure. And I I have no real disagreement with you. I would characterize it a little bit more charitably of um, overconfidence. And, you know, he had the whole security detail. He thought he could take any number and just cow any number of raiders um, or pirates or something. You look at the difference in their ship size. I think he brought way too small of a team. And apparently they didn't lock the doors or, like, have droids or anything. So I think he was stupidly overcome. But you know, okay. if, the, if the little ship had been full of mercenaries. That's fucked. His police? No, no. His police team should have been still been better. Did you see how much bigger his ship was? The janitors should have been able to take what? The, uh, like ten thousand janitors against five mercenaries. You'd still win by numbers. Three, three last things, and we'll move on. One, they say when those six guys die, we hear uh, inform the bridge half the security team has died. So apparently, they don't actually have much of a crew on this massive fucking prison barge. It, Two. If you're dealing with potential raiders, you confront them off ship with what you just said is your much larger ship. And point number three, if you're looking for intimidation, what the hell is going on with the New Republic soldier uniforms? They look like they're wearing 1970s Vegas lounge suits. Fucking stink. I agree with you. Stinks. They look terrible. Um, okay, so uh, I, I wrote my notes in a little bit more detail than time is going to allow me to go into. So let me try to start summarizing. Um, so Balin and Shin Haiti is his apprentice's name. I would like to not bury the lead and go ahead and announce to everyone on this podcast that Shin is my favorite character in the show. Balin and Shin arrive. Like and there's a little bit of back and forth with the captain. I, uh, one thing I want to note about this is that Balin and Shin do not attack immediately. Um, they are insulted. And not treated particularly well, and then it sort of rolls from there, right? Um, they have orange lightsabers, and I just know Dave Filoni well enough and heard enough of his interviews to know that the, he wants us to think that they're somewhere between the light and the dark. That's why they have orange lightsabers. Jamie, and, gray Jedi. 
And, you know, I think they, they made a point in the writing to show that they did not necessarily jump off the ship, lightsabers in hand, ready to hack everybody up, right? They were trying um, to maintain the fiction still. They, yeah, it seemed so like they, if, they, if they'd been allowed to go through, they would have just grabbed the prisoner and then started murdering people to get to the exit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nice guys, aren't they? I, I mean, they, they might have insisted, we have to take her, get out of my way. And they didn't like <laughs> Force made people step out of the way or something. If, if they really pushed come to shove, he would have pulled, reached into his pocket and pulled out his checkbook and offered to pay them to go away. Force push come to shove. Yeah. So anyway, they kick a bunch <laughs> of ass. They go down the hallway. They get Morgan Elsbeth, and we immediately recognize her. Uh, thank God they were able to get the same actress from Ahsoka season two. So maybe people were connecting that dots. Um, and she says, Balin, you were true to your word. So we get the guy's name, Balin, right? Uh, he says, I'm well paid for it, Lady Morgan. So right away, we figure out that he's got a mercenary element to him, right? Elspeth says, the Jedi who captured her want Thrawn. The Jedi who captures her wants Thrawn. So the Jedi. So she's calling Ahsoka a Jedi right away and wants the map. He asks who it is. She says, Ahsoka Tano. Boom. We get the opening credits. Now, uh, one thing I want to establish here early on is my frustration might just be mine. I could be fucking wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of shit on this podcast network. They, the, the opening crawl calls Ahsoka a Jedi Knight, former Jedi Knight. Mm. Throughout this, throughout this episode, people call her a Jedi. Some people call her a Jedi Master. It's a little bit frustrating because she was a Jedi Padawan when she left the Jedi Order. She was offered, offered to come back. She refused to come back, so she never came back into the organization and became a Jedi Knight or Master. And the explanation that we kind of get is, well, she uh, – looks like Jamie left the, the call. Hopefully we can get him back. I'll try to get him back here. But the uh, the explanation that we get is, oh, well, she she progressed to the point where she would have been a Jedi Knight as if there's some sort of parallel track for former. And now we can call her a former Jedi Knight. When she never was Jedi Knight or Jedi Master. She, she, she's like one of those people that, you know, dropped out of school in their third year, but then got really successful. And so the school calls them back and gives them an honorary degree, except in this case, the school burned down when she wasn't there. So they can't do it. Yeah, that, that tracks. Jamie, we got you back. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I, uh, qu- qu- are you certain? Cause I misremember perhaps the scroll. I thought it said X Jedi. Did it say X Jedi? I've got the I've got the text here. It says former Jedi Knight. Okay, I thought it was ex Jedi, and she was ex Jedi. Uh, yeah, she was ex Jedi. I wouldn't I wouldn't complain with that that phrasing. Uh, Jamie, if they had a lawyer with you, the crawl in advance, they could have avoided errors like this. So I, I I do agree that the crawl is supposed to be the word word of God. It is truthful. It is accurate. I'm very okay with all kinds of people calling her a Jedi or a Jedi Knight or a current Jedi or a Jedi Master or something. Because what do they know? But 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 okay. So I'm, I'm going to give a pass because uh, all I know is that she called Anakin master and he never got to be a master. So it all said, look, the ranks in Jedi are fuzzy wuzzy, whatever that is, is an ex Jedi something. So good. Close enough. I'm, I'm giving him a pass, but I do agree with you. And the scroll should be precise. Yeah, and you know, people on Twitter throwing around the the phrase Jedi Knight for Ahsoka, and I just want to scream. It's like, or, she's not a Jedi Knight, nor a Jedi Master. And she's a former Jedi apprentice, basically, who continued a parallel track of her own training. I like, I kind of like Spencer's explanation. It's like somebody who drops out, but then like goes to a library a lot and gets really smart, and, like could get the degree if they came back. Um, so we see Ahsoka on a strange planet. Um, Ahsoka looks around. Jamie, we're getting some some feedback from your line. Um, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, it's 
we're getting some feedback from your from your line. Um, Ahsoka looks around and eventually needs to move around, do a few things. Um, she looks up and she touches uh, something, uh, and it's it's made of sand. So she's like done a couple things here, and this thing has popped up. She touches this made of sand. Inside of it is a ball. Looks about the size of a croquet ball to me. She calls out to Hu Yang, Hu Yang, Hu Yang for uh, this is maybe Jamie hits the buzzer here. I don't know. Hu Yang is a Jedi droid that existed at the Jedi Temple. Here's what we know about Hu Yang from from lore, and this is Disney lore. Uh, knows follow so specifically would follow the creation of the lightsabers and has a like ongoing lightsaber database. Uh, yeah, Jamie, your, uh, your, your, your feedback is better. Thank you. Um, has a lightsaber database and specifically would follow that portion of the Jedi's training and development is the lightsaber development. Hu Yang is said to be older than Yoda. So we can, let's put him around a thousand years. And I think the show gives us enough that I got all that. Yeah. He, he helped train the Jedi and he he oversaw them and oversaw people before them, and he helped with younglings or padwans or something. I got it. It's fine. Yeah, he didn't really help with the training, but he was he was a, a droid that would help the Jedi with things, and one of those was cataloging the mm-hmm. uh, the lightsabers. So uh, tells him she found it. Uh, then he uh, she jumps on a surface, and we see a droid standing there. Ahsoka sort of cocks her head, kind of like a cat would, uh, as it starts to walk toward her. She says, come no closer. So give the map to us, and there's a, a battle scene. There's five of these droids. Ahsoka does the drop down and then does the spin cut where she takes both of her lightsabers and, and cuts the ceiling above her to drop a couple of the droids down so she could, you know, split them up to fight them. A couple questions with respect to this. Do the bad guys already have the map, or do they need the map too? It's implied they need the map, but they're also willing to completely just destroy the entire area without having the map. So I wasn't clear about that. It's also the map to find Thrawn. Why is the map to find Thrawn in an ancient temple? I have an answer as the person who doesn't actually know things, but I don't know either. So I'm curious. So, no, no, so here, here's what the here's what the TV show has told me. And then Lee can correct me. But here's what the TV show told me. TV show told me that this is not a map to find Thrawn because the map is older than Thrawn. This Obviously. is a map. This is and this is why they haven't found it yet. They didn't know they needed this map. This is a map to the wormhole location, maybe instructions on how to use the wormhole. So once they found out that Thrawn was on the other side of this wormhole thing is when they decided, hey, we have to go find this old map for this weird secret thing, I, I actually look at the books to have, like Raiders of the Hidden Temple, um, in a way that I kind of hated in the sequel movies. Like, I, I kind of hated this, all the hunt. This is getting very common for Disney Star Wars, that this is the, we need to find the artifact to find the guy. But but I accepted this because this wasn't to find Thrawn. This was to find the path, because we just found out which weird esoteric place he's stuck. Um, and the droids are just, they're just droids, which is its own. Just droids? You racist Just droids. So, uh, I think if any of the humans who are maybe more understanding of the situation, better able to adapt were there, they would have said, no, don't self-destruct. But the droids had, you know, if things are at X level of bad, self-destruct. And so they did. You're right. It's good that they didn't succeed at that. 
But that's just, ah, well, I mean, they were doing their best. That, that was the best they could do. It's also it unclear who the, who, who programmed the droids to watch for the map, right? Like we don't know who put the droids there to protect the map. Um, because I don't, I don't think we can necessarily infer that was imperial people or anything, right? Like, so I, I don't know that they were necessarily on one side or the other. They were just there to protect the map. Nice capes on the droids, though. It's nice little cosmetic flair that you give your your, droid, your your droids capes. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's like a General Grievous, Jamie's he's favoritely he's, named he's, character I, in all I Star hate Wars. Grievous so much. He's the one referencing right now. So yeah, that all that happens, and then uh, she she asks you Hu Yang to just run the ship, and she just comes and jumps up on the ship, and as the blast is going from behind her, but she I, pushes. I do know this one of the special blasts that don't decrease in power the further out they go. They just exponentially get more powerful to cover more space the further they go. I, I, I love seeing that. It's, all, it's, all, it's also that kind of blast that apparently doesn't have any shockwave in front of it, and the only damaging part of it is the fireball. So yeah. she has it a little con- go up. It only goes sideways because reasons. Perfectly out. Yes. She has a conversation with Hugh Yang about, hey, you should have done this, then that. And Hugh Yang's like, yeah, it's not my job. You should get a damn Jedi apprentice. How about that? And that's kind of the point that's of that kind conversation. Of his thing that he keeps returning to, really, is that, oh, you want somebody to do a better job? You should hire, you should bring an apprentice on. Oh, you didn't like the meal I cooked for you? Well, if you had an apprentice, it'd be better. Just, I <laughs> love that. I like love that. Every so conversation, I bet. I, I, I did I, like I, that, actually. Well, I, I love that, and I love it, um, which David Tennant, surprise voice actor. I had no idea he was even in this. He's one of my favorite actors. So that's wonderful. I love that it. caught me off guard in the credits to see, oh, who was he? Oh, right, the droid. Um, cool. So the idea that this droid is so, you know, they're made for a role. They're used to a role. He's been doing it for 100 years. He's unspeakably loyal, not just to her, but to, to the, the Jedi order. order that doesn't really exist anymore. But the but and he's socially intuitive enough to know how to slow roll this kind of argument with her. He wants to bring back the Jedi's, and he knows the way to do that is to get a Jedi to get an apprentice. They'll get there eventually, and that's just what he needs most in life to be most fulfilled. I love it. I, I do love that if this is coded in, how thorough the Jedi Order of Succession was that we've made it down all the way to Ashoka, and they still have an entry for yes, she even she could still refound the order. Uh, so she goes, she flies somewhere and she lands and she gets down and Danfa doesn't look like Han and Leia near the Falcon when she gets down and there's the flight jacket on, uh, Syndulla and this is a new character for Jamie and Spencer Syndulla, but was in Rebels. Uh, figured who she, figured she had backstory. Given yeah, she's she a general was, and a friend and smart and fun and sassy and she's great. I like her a lot. I was very indifferent to her as a character, but I didn't think we got, I got, didn't get much out of either the dialogue, the giver, or the actors. Yeah, so Sindula is, Jamie, you're hitting the button now, but Sindula was a character that flew on Ghost, uh, during the, the sequence, during all the events of Rebels and was friends with everybody, and apparently in that interim between the end of Rebels, which was pre-episode four and now, uh, fought, apparently fought with the rebellion and has become a general, become a general. Uh, general in the army, apparently. Uh, also the, the actress who plays Cindula, Mary Elizabeth Winston, married to Ewan McGregor. Little known fact there for you. Hey, Star Wars I guess, it, I guess it's, I guess it's really known to her and, and her friends, but like, you know, everybody's <laughs> talking about it. Man, you're I, shocking her right now. So I, I have a question and this is going to be a dumb question. This is going to show you how little I know. 
are they the same species? Because they have the head tails, but she has three, and they're kind of spiky, and she has two. And I know that she's the same species as the dancers and the people on Tatooine. They are not. They're not. Okay, so the three head tails is a different species than the two head tails. She's a Twi'lek, right? Uh, the, uh, the general is a Twi'lek. Syndulla. Yes. Syndulla is a Twi'lek, right? And Ahsoka is a different thing. She is, yes. Okay, what the hell is okay. Ahsoka? Let me look that up. Ahsoka is her own species that you know, originated basically with her in terms of well, no, well, well, no, that's not, that's she not true. There's other people out there. Well, no, she's from a – Tales of the Jedi Episode One establishes she's from a planet of people that look like that. No, no, I um, mean, we, we had, we, we, her species did not exist until we met her. And then, yes, they all, there was a whole species in the world, whatever else, but she was kind of the introduction to that species. Well, yeah. Thank you yeah, for clarifying because right. I was very curious over – how vast the differentiations of physical characteristics in that species could apparently be. I was very confused there. She's apparently a she's apparently a Togruta or something like. Have that. y'all have y'all seen Tales of the Jedi episode one? No. Uh, I don't watch. I, I, I thought we addressed this. I don't see the TV shows except. Okay, so that the, yeah. So this is a the reason I is it, it was it was just released last year and it was like a they're like fifteen minute vignettes basically about characters and Ahsoka's episode one and. I would say uh, watch it for the 15 minutes because it, it has baby Ahsoka using the force in it. And as we all know on this podcast channel, I am a sucker for babies using the force. I fucking love it. Mm, it was, it's mm, a dope, dope mm. scene for well sure. Well done. Uh, cut to a briefing. Syndulla is showing Ahsoka the images of Balin and Shin and tells Ahsoka that they have powers like her. Um, Ahsoka says these days very few people do. And I, I'm sorry. This is – I'll do it now and hopefully we can start speeding up the recap. I – I'm really frustrated with Rosario Dawson's portrayal of Ahsoka. It is flat. It is boring. It's, it's like Vulcan. It's, it's very, like, yeah. I, I, I think that the idea here from a lore perspective is that when Ahsoka got caught between the, in the world between worlds, which is basically like in the middle of time and space and like she's just stuck in this thing, she was there for episode four, five, six, somehow got out. I guess we'll get that backstory at some point that she fundamentally changed as a person and her character completely changed. Because if you get five seconds of Ahsoka from Tales of the Jedi or Rebels or the books or the comics, completely different character. Shows emotion all the time. She runs hot like Anakin runs hot. She like feeds off of Anakin. Like the two of them together drove fucking Obi-Wan crazy. Like it's not – I can't even recognize this character. And then Syndulla basically plays the same thing. Like Syndulla – this – Mary Elizabeth Winston plays Syndulla the same way, just flat it, and boring. A lot of so, people are playing pretty flat in terms of just so, their delivery of their style. Jamie disagrees. Look, if you talked to me 15 years ago, I'd be almost unrecognizable today. I, I, I mean, Lee, th- think when you met me and now and how you're not. people get along. You're, you're, you're different, but you're not unrecognizable. Like you, there's still parts of you that there's like, a are similar. Look, 15 years of all the people who you love in your life, either turning to the dark side or abandoning you, or you abandoned them and they resent you for it, and you're alone living on this ship with one droid as your friend. That's going to take some of the fire out. Plus, she has been doing her own Jedi training, which has a lot to do with like, think you and McGregor in Episode One, and then you and McGregor in Episode Three. Like, his emotional response has changed a bit. He grew up in less than 15 years. 15 years can do a lot to somebody. I'm not saying it's unexplainable. That's not what I'm saying. It's easily explainable. Okay, great. It's easily explainable. But uh, if you are going to show me the character that I was invested in for so long, 
Like, at least give me something that's recognizable from her. Give give me a thread where I can recognize the character. Like, I understand she's going to change. Totally get it. And I'm and, and look, Rosario Dawson is a good enough actress. I'm sure this is completely intentional. They're mean to do this. But give me something where I recognize her. And if you're not if you're not going to do that baseline, that basic thing, at least make the character interesting. Because now she's just boring. I, I, I think part of the problem may be character hats of where I think that she's what I've said. I think has been set up in these first two episodes. That's all I'm working from is that she's being set up as the Jedi master as being the, you know, the, the old elder that is you know passing on wisdom to the new generation that's coming up. And um, what, what's the name of the young Mandalorian girl? Uh, oh, Sabine Wren. She's being set up in my mind as the main character. That was the main arc who has the main story, whereas Ahsoka is being just the one that's going to set her up and give her the tools and encouragement and support to then go on that arc. It almost just feels like that's the hat they put her on of where now she's the elder of the experience and wisdom, and now she's her character is reflecting that in terms of how she's acting. I'm with you though. That that conversation in terms of an overall emotional resonance, it comes across as very, very almost just struggling to get out words level of removed from people and things, which, Jamie, as you're saying, maybe that's where they're going with the character. It's not as interesting from what I at least know about the character going into it. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I have no emotional attachment to her, which means I'm more easy, easily able to accept her as boring um, and don't hold it <laughs> against her. Uh, and Some people I, are just I, that way. I get the idea that she was not always boring, and maybe she'll come out of her skin. I mean, you know, I, there's a lot of TV shows I've watched where the character being by themselves for too long is really bad for them. And then Unless they have they, a volleyball. Unless they have a volleyball. So uh, Soka tells Hugh Yang to run a match in the lightsabers. He can do that. And then she starts talking with Elsbeth, or I'm uh, sorry, um, with Sindula and explains that, hey, we got a map. Look at this. this day, day's not a total loss here. Here you go. And it's a uh, we can find the location of Grand Amathron. And Sindula's like, whoa, that's not possible. That motherfucker was on the back of a damn uh, whale. And, and space whale uh, in exposed space and went in hyperspace. He's clearly dead. And she goes, eh, not confirmed. We're hearing whispers of his return. Sindula goes, well, if Thrawn survived, does that mean Ezra? And that's when uh, she goes, well, maybe. I hope so. We all hope so, right? And then the two of them kind of are like stuck in that position. They're like, well, we hope that Ezra survived too because um, – this is where knowing the backstory would be helpful because Ezra and Thrawn were in the same exact position. Uh, they were on the back of a purgle uh, that was they were they were technically in a ship that was on the back of a purgle, but the windows had been busted out. And he, the purgle head, during the course of uh, Rebels, Ezra developed a, le- a mental linkage with the purgles and could communicate with them, and they would do things on his behalf. The purgle was holding Grand Admiral Thrawn in place. Ezra was holding Thrawn in place with the Force, and they went into hyperspace. <laughs> Jamie's pressing his button real hard right now. And, yes, I think, Jamie, would you agree, this is the biggest gatekeeping thing, I think, in the show, is that knowing to some degree what happened to Thrawn and Ezra, no one bothers to explain that, really, in terms of how they got where they went. I, I, I kind of disagree in that I kind of don't care. Here's, here's what they explain to me. Different statement. They were in a battle together. Our Ezra, good old boy Ezra, was doing whoever the fuck he is was doing something sneaky and going to self sacrifice. They both blew up or something, and they were obviously together. And something happened to them. 
I figure they blew up and just, oh, they got blown up into another galaxy or universe. I don't know. They blew up. Something weird happened. Probably due to the Force. And so now that one of them, which somehow maybe survived blowing up, maybe the other one survived blowing up too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I still don't really know what a purgle is. In fact, it took me about two, it took me until you said a joke about space whales for me to know that was an alive thing. I assumed that was a class of starship, even as you explained it to me. I think trying to explain that is accidental gatekeeping because I don't care. But I, you've I, met them. You have well, yeah, met here's space the, whales. You met them on Mandalorian. The, yeah, they were on Mandalorian. And I love those space whales. Those, their names are all adorable words. And I here's don't where, know, I, Here's where it sort of falls apart, though, Jamie, is that, like, you started out by saying that when you watch the show, that it's just an assumption that Ezra could be alive, that they're all assuming that, and that probably isn't true. Like you, that, that's, that, that was your stance based on what you watched. But if yep. you, if you actually know the backstory, which you apparently don't want to hear to the point that it's now accidental gatekeeping is. You said, you said somehow or some way six times when you were describing your, your own course of events there. But yes, like continue. Well, yeah. Like if, if you know that backstory, then you know that if Thrawn's alive, Ezra has to be alive. They're in the same exact situation. Like, uh, no, it's well, uh, sure you could uh, you could you could come up with reasons that one survived or not the other. But like when you see Thrawn when you murdered him, when you Thrawn know murdered. Thrawn, look, let, they let, 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 let finish his point. Let, let finish his point. <laughs> I, I give up. Uh, let's go on to the next thing. Uh, so Sindula says, um, "No, cut to Yang, who explains that he can't share the map. It's locked." And then Sindula has this line about, ah, well, you know, these Jedi, they don't, they don't, it's always difficult with you. This thing is not a Rubik's Cube. It's not, it's not, not even to the level of that complexity in terms of what's going to take to solve this thing. But they, droid included, are baffled. So here's some celebratory music. And then we see that the speaker is unveiling a monument. Cool thing about this monument, or maybe not cool, maybe you don't give a fuck, Jamie, is that it's actually the cartoons from rebels it's the, 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 the sabine who drew this thing it's actually the characters of all the people who manned ghost the ship on rebels and that's their cartoon impression oh sabine so, painted cool that easter egg. Yeah. i like that that's a cool easter egg that i don't need to know but it's great sure i like that cool uh, it was referenced that she was artistic i just didn't connect those two together because i didn't know if they gave me much to connect that she painted that but nice to know that so she doesn't. She doesn't show up. So cut to Sabine, who's racing but her speeder bike. Does, listening does she to or doesn't? Because they say she was here a second ago, and they had a physical blocking spot where she was. But then three scenes later, they act as if she didn't actually show up. Yeah, I, mean, she, I think she was there. She on a motorcycle. Yeah, I think she was there and left. Yeah. Um. Uh. So she's she's flying around and she's listening to something. Uh, is this like a rock? She's is this like the classic rock station? This, I don't think that's classic rock. Is this like thrash metal or like pop punk? Like what is this? It's like it's a very particular type of like heavy modern heavy metal music that she's listening to. But anyway, it's rock music. It's loud. She's going really fast. Uh, I, I, so go ahead. I, I, I say my, my um, traffic is great on this planet. Holy what traffic? Crap. They made big roads with no traffic at all. It's one of those days where everyone's at that event, and those are the best traffic days ever when you're not going or leaving that event. The so, other time she's on the road, also excellent traffic day, uncharacteristic for that time of season. I'm surprised. Mm. I mean, the tourists usually would be packing those roads. Uh, she was she was driving at 9.38 in the morning, best time to be on the road. Perfect. Love it. So, then, uh, then we see uh, an E-Wing. So shout out to Dave Filoni for canonizing in the yeah. modern – 
modern canon and E-Wing. I think that's the first time we've seen it in the Disney canon. It's called an uh, E-Wing Escort Starfighter. Pilot tries to make a pull over. She doesn't want to. He eventually lands in the roadway. They play a game of chicken. She slides under the E-Wing, keeps going. Uh, another cool little thing here is that when you cut to the top of the E-Wing after she's blown by, you see a droid that looks a lot like R2-D2. Um, I was reading that they they used the design for the original toy for R2-D2, the very first toy for R2-D2, for this thing. So that's a little Easter egg that Dave Filoni put in. Apparently it well, does this a lot. But they, whatever else I want to say about what is the, the, the product that he's producing here, Dave Filoni loves Star Wars. And oh, I think Lord, to a degree, few other people can claim. I think that like part of the problem is that he – has never it doesn't seem like he's done a lot of work with real actors before right so like he might not be he might not be like pushing them and goading them in the way that like somebody maybe who's done this with live action people a lot more for better performances like that maybe that's part of the problem i don't know i did actually have the thought a couple times this that man this really does come across like a live action cartoon and maybe that's just a question of style that that's the main main background that he has pleading in uh, then we cut to a part of the lore that I don't give a fuck. You have to know. Both of you fucking guys have to know. So fuck a lot, Jamie. Sit, We're going in sit for down this. and fucking listen. She has a loath cat. Loath cats are fucking awesome. <laughs> this is the closest thing to a cat that we have in the Star Wars universe, and she had one the whole time she was aboard Ghost, the whole time, whole CZZ and Rebels, all four seasons of Rebels, and Ezra loved that damn loath cat, and it is still alive, and shout out to that loath cat. It's the same cat? Same cat. So, I want to say, first of all, I picked up on all of that because he had the drawing. She had drawn Loath Cats in her ship, and somehow oh, you're right. Coffee had never erased them. Uh, she had the the one that's a house Loath Cat. There are obviously the wild ones who probably kill all the local birds, but she has the one that's a house one. She's very friendly. <laughs> Love it. It's a combination of a raccoon and a cat and a mouse deer, as near as I can tell, with a gremlin face. Love it. Very gremlin face. Who are smart, apparently. They're pretty smart. And they clearly, clearly did their homework on making it look like a cat as far as the physicality of exactly how it arcs its back. When somebody walked in the room, it was beautiful. And if there's not already a stuffed animal for them, then they are stupid. Oh, that's coming. And then Spencer will then Spencer will tell you that they only created the Lith cat in order to make the toy. And, yeah, we got that whole conversation going. So she plays a hologram of Ezra. I, I won't. I, I, I want that stuffy. I'm just saying. I felt, like the, up, don't worry. I, f- I felt like the hologram, this is, Jamie, you'll, you're likely going to tell me I'm wrong here, but like, I felt like the hologram of Ezra was confusing because of the phrasing that it used. It said, I, um, in it, he says, I did what I had to do to defeat Thrawn, which sounds like he's giving, he's doing that message after the events but with did, Thrawn. Did he record this on Whaleback? Yes, but he clearly didn't. He clearly recorded this before the battle with Thrawn because there was a big buildup to the battle with Thrawn where Ezra was like planning to, I'm going to do what I have to do. If I have to sacrifice myself, I'm going to do it. Like he was hyping himself up. We knew that was going to happen going into that battle. At least that was Ezra's mindset. So he, I think he recorded this before, but the phrasing for people who might just be jumping into this makes it seem like maybe he gave that, he gave that recording from post-fact, right, like from another, another galaxy or something. Jamie, what did you take of that? Did you did you immediately uh, know that he had done it before? Yes, I took it very clearly as, like in Endgame with Iron Man, he recorded this of, deliver this to her if I die. This was his, if I die, this is my goodbye thing, because this is kind of a suicide mission going on, and if I survive, I'll come grab it, and she won't have to see it or something. But this is my, this is my you know, 
not suicide, suicide mission, and I'm saying goodbye. And watch this after I've saved the world. Yeah, cool. Lee, you know this better Easy. than I, better than we do. But did he have a, like a suicidal plan going into the finale of Rebels? Because I agree that it's set up as he filmed this in advance. But this is a guy who filmed this in advance with a seemingly clear suicidal intent. Well, not necessarily. He, it would only be listened to if he dies. So he was recording it on the. I, I bet it starts with. If you're watching this, I guess I must have died. So, and then he, he goes in. He, he doesn't do that, though. He sets it up of, I've got a plan. And that plan is because this is what Jedi do. The plan was to take this risk. And you don't know that she played it at the beginning. This might be your favorite part where it's getting a little worn through on the hologram. <laughs> but, but, you know, so, yes, he's, he's going in knowing that he's taking this risk and might not live. This was, part, this was part this was part of Ezra's arc and Ezra very much knew he might die when he was he 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 had reached a point withdrawn where he was like that fucker has to go and if I got to die that's fine like and he was prepared going into that to do whatever he had to do and he ultimately did that he held Thrawn in place through the force they both on the pergles boop they went to another galaxy whatever um cut to Shin he's walking around a destroyed temple area that Ahsoka previously visited Elsbeth is there with him uh, she calls it an ancient temple built by my ancestors. That was the first sort of hint I got that she might be sister of Dathomir. Um, because, Wait, well, well, she actually, well, she says it. She's a nice sister of Dathomir, right? That's, but that's the first time that I, I don't know about you guys, but when, when Ahsoka captured Elsbeth in season two of Mandalorian, I did not, no hint. I did not immediately think she was a witch of Dathomir. As a matter of fact, it's now because they've explained it this way. She clearly had to be hiding her abilities from Ahsoka and was – and that's kind of a confusing part. It's like she was so willing to hide the fact that she was a she wish got her ass kicked. Kicked. that she was willing to get her ass kicked and actually be captured and go to the New Republic and have this all these events play out instead of fighting back with the – which I, I'm going to call it the Force. I don't like those arguments. I think it's pretty clearly the Force. Like she's using the Force against Ahsoka. She just wasn't willing to do it. I don't, I don't – I'm not 100% sure why. Yeah, I'm so with would, the, the witches in my mind in terms of like Star Wars lore. They're calling it something different, but they're just having a different understanding of how they're using the Force. Yeah, it's the Force. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, and I, clearly Palpatine thought the same thing because he killed every damn one of them he could find. So I I, I will find it interesting. I, I'm the kind of person to just enjoy the argument of or is it the Force or is it something else? Because if there is something else, sure. the myth how the Force works and is a balanced Force half light and dark or is a balanced Force only light? You know, I love that stuff. So I will be interested in it, but I almost don't care. Like, say it's the Force, say something different. Either one's fine for me, as long as they kind of talk point, because it's interesting. Um, I, I, I love the idea, and it didn't even connect to me that she would have been hiding it that hard. Palpatine did the same thing. I talked about it when we talked about the prequels. He almost died in a, in a crash. Just the, the ship was crashing, and he almost died there instead of using his dark, dark uh, Force abilities. Because he knew he really needed to keep that a secret or everything would fall apart. And so his odds of surviving was better than his odds of winning if he was uncovered early. So right. she was, That's, you're right. She was as smart as Palpatine in that moment. Of okay. Going to jail instead of showing herself early. Got it. Yeah. So I, I think but, it's but, a retcon, honestly. I, I think they could have, if, if it was something they pre-planned, they would have given us the slightest hint off camera that the characters don't see, but we see. We got none of that in Mandalorian. So, but my, my issue is that we knew while we were watching it, why Palpatine would want to hide 
like it was very it, we were in story, on the secret. It was clear why he would need to hide it. You just said it. If he if he if he showed his force powers, everything would fall apart. What's going to fall apart if she shows that she has, uses force powers against Ahsoka? How is that even going to fucking matter if she's just like body man for Thrawn? It's she's unclear. To be captured. Unclear to me why she. Yeah, yeah that's another possibility, Spencer. But it's unclear to me why she would need to hide it. Does Ahsoka know, and does the Republic know, and do the Jedi, as much as they do or don't exist, know that there are the witches still active in the world, Do and would they then have killed her? Because if the existence of witches is the secret, then that's worth it. If no, Ahsoka will just execute you, so you only bring that out if you're 100% sure it'll make you win, that makes sense to me, too. Like, I go to jail, I'll get out eventually, versus they will murder me, because burn the witches well burn the witches was a palpatine thing i'm not i'm not sure anybody in the new republic i mean the jedi didn't kill the the witches of dathomir they knew of their existence now they actually um, maintain kind of peace with them at different, different times in different ways so i i don't know that there would be any assumption that a would kill her simply for being a witch of dathomir i i, I think she's much more likely to kill her for being associated with thrawn um yeah. but yeah i don't know and in general um, jedi don't kill prisoners that's just not what they do so this shocked shit not a jedi She's not a Jedi. Shin, Shin, uh, she's shocked Shin and she goes, you're a witch. She says, I'm a survivor, but it's actually cool because she says survivor right as Balin comes into focus. And I feel like they were hinting at, she was also referencing Balin who, yeah, exactly. It's just like the name of the, the episode, right? Master and apprentice. We have, uh, Balin and Shin, master and apprentice, but then we also have in the background, Ahsoka and Sabine. They love to do that kind of double, double play on words. Um, Mm -hmm. so then we have Elspeth who looks around, looks at Shin, says she has it. So I guess Elspeth's connection to the Force is such that she can just intuit in situations that is what Ahsoka did in that particular space or that Ahsoka has the map and that she also can talk to Thrawn <laughs> galaxies away. So she, I don't know. She seems pretty, pretty strong to me. Um, Literally a space wizard did it. It's fine. <laughs> Literally a wizard did it, but now they're space wizards, so now they have, like, spaceships and wizards. Mm-hmm. They, it's yeah. fun. Whatever. So, so this, this is the mix between a dungeon master saying a wizard did it, and also that weird guy on the History Channel that's always about aliens just going aliens with the puffy hair. It's both of those at the same time. Double so, powerful. It works. Balin sends... Uh, Shin off to planet Lothal and she's like what uh, some fucking weird witch shit you can tell Shin doesn't like the whole witch thing and she he's like no no it's none of that it's just Ahsoka Tano's former apprentice is there and this is revolutionary again this is one of those things Jamie doesn't give a fuck I got it Jamie you can sit this one out but this is revolutionary for people who are watching Rebels because no Ahsoka did not train Sabine during that period she was not her apprentice and also it was abundantly clear that Sabine did not have force powers in that show because there's a specific scene I remember where she was um uh trying to learn how to wield the dark saber Sabine was and if she even had like a hint of force power it would have been much easier for her but she clearly didn't during the training trying to learn how to uh use the dark saber so there was no hint in those five seasons that Sabine had any bit a force power. And I think they speak to it a little bit when Hu Yang is like, yeah, you have like the lowest force power of anybody we've ever seen or some shit. Like, I think they're trying to like kind of explain that, but this is new for, for the whole story. The idea that some a Sabine would have any force powers of all. And then B, she would be a circus person apprentice. And what you're saying, this couldn't have happened after rebels, like in the middle gap, because 
Ahsoka was gone at that point? It had to have happened. Yeah, so Ahsoka was caught between World Between Worlds and and then that's to the end of Rebels and then all the way through. So what had to have happened is Ahsoka had to get back after the end of Episode 6 and then start training Sabine and then they break up and then the events start. Like it had to be like in the last maybe five years. And that, oh, hi. Okay. Or a couple, maybe a couple years, maybe. Uh, um, yeah. Well, what, one thing about the scene you were referencing before we move on, um, I'm blanking on the name again. What's the name of Ray Stevenson's character, the Dark Jedi Master? Balin. 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 This is one of the scenes that actually really, you know, it started to gravitate me towards Balin is just how dismissive he is of just like the idea of when the apprentice goes, oh, my God, is this prophecy? Is she using the force right now? And he just dismissively says, no, she's logically putting two and two together and sending, and sending you on a mission that makes just practical sense. Go do it, apprentice. I appreciate a guy that is coming across as just being practical in a world of where everybody else is wrapped up in all this prophecy stuff. I am but so of, interested in Shin. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't interrupt that, but I, I, I do agree. A lot of things are like, oh, go to Dagobah. Why? Well, let me tell you actually, let me actually explain to you why instead of just <laughs> do it for a friend. <laughs> no, because that's where the, the Jedi Master that trained me is. I agree. Those okay. are some funny lines in the story. A little bit of exposition of like why I'm telling you to do it besides just hand wave. You don't need to know that yet is nice sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so I, I, I like The Apprentice too. For somebody who has almost no lines and almost no characterization, I am also here for it. But I, I want to hear Lee talk about it. Well, I'm interested because I, I think her age is such that she could not have been at the Jedi Temple pre-Anakin uh, killing everybody and all hell breaking loose. So Balin had to f- find her in the interim, right? Because Balin, Balin just left the Jedi Temple and then just sort of left it all behind during uh, right at the end of the Clone Wars and clearly does not associate with the Jedi anymore. So he – some guy uses the Force, former Jedi, is out – out in the galaxy, he has to find someone who's force sensitive and then somehow get them to come with him to train to be a mercenary. Like that doesn't, that doesn't add up. This seems like daughter to me. I was a hundred percent going daughter. That was my coded assumption from the word go is, Oh, that's her dad. And that's his daughter. Done. I, the, 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 even just the interactions between the two had a certain feel of that to me. So I, I don't, that's interesting. I like it fine, and if that's what happens, I'm here for it. I don't. I didn't get that, and I don't need it. I think it would be perfectly fine. Of he sure. was on for a while. He saw a you know teen who was on the streets using force for you know stealing, or a kid who clearly had powers their kid, parents couldn't do, and he said, "Look, come with me. Like I'm lost. You need somebody. Come on, let's go." Uh, and uh, like thing, I I would buy that too. Like he just found an apprentice as he went somewhere because uh, where else would have taken her. There was nobody else to train her in the universe as far as he knew. Right. So, well, yeah, I'm not sure if he would, I'm not sure if he would be aware of Luke Skywalker or not. I'm not, I'm not sure if Balin would know about Luke. Luke was pretty famous in the galaxy. So he probably heard, heard word that there was a Jedi somewhere who kicked the shit out of the emperor, Darth Vader. He might've caught word of that. I'm, Here's a, here's a question, Jamie. First off, Jamie, I, you know I love you, and I'm glad you're on the podcast, Spencer. Aren't when we when we're doing like test groups for Disney Star Wars, we really don't want to give them Jamie, right? Because like he, he creates, he'll create backstory and then just be like, yeah, it's fine. Like I, I can just fill that in. It's like don't let him off that easy, damn it. Don't let him off that easy. Put, put, put Jamie in the writer room. He'll he'll, he'll put together some amazing plots for him. 
look, look, I'm coming at it from the DM perspective. I can improv backstory for all of this. It all <laughs> you are rolling with your cast going off plot. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, because I never know when he's just going to be like, yeah, well, I, I, I can just fill that in with my backstory. And I'm like, ah, no, don't. No, no. It's almost like the Spencer. It's almost like the the, the book the book version. He's got the book Shut version up. on the side. I, I, no, <laughs> look, look. He, the mercenaries we know can't foundlings. They find a kid. and They're like, hey, I need a number two to get me coffee, and someday I'll teach you to do my stuff. You know, Leon and the assassins in the movie. Plenty of uh, it's fine. He found somebody who could be his assistant, and eventually he'll teach them. And they, it all. If he cared about her, or if she cared about herself, or her parents cared about her, she probably did need training. So she would have been eager to get the training from him because there are few people who could. And there's very few people he would want to be his assistant. He wouldn't want, you know, somebody who couldn't use the force to be getting his coffee. The taste better. When you when you do this, when you fill in the backstory, like I I never disagree. That's not the that's not the thing. Like I don't <laughs> I don't disagree with what you like. That could totally be it. It's just like just tell me Disney. Just like show me. I want to see it. Um, so cut to Sabine who wakes up. Was she hearing Ezra? Was she dreaming of him? See, that's the question I had there. Is like uh, okay, now we've introduced the idea that Sabine is force sensitive. We've also introduced the idea that Thrawn can speak to Elsbeth from the other galaxy. Is my guy is we're talking to her. I don't know. Space whales are also giant radio arrays. Is wait wait is Sabine a witch? Because if not, I think I have my answer of she's dreaming. No, so, an emotional, so, and they hear things. That's called a dream, and we all do it because we're humans. So, Could be. Sabine, Very well Sabine, Sabine is apparently a Mandalorian. Well, she's a Mandalorian. <laughs> she's also a Jedi apprentice. Uh, she also is big switch. That puts her in rarefied fucking air, my friend. When you're a Mandalorian and also a Jedi, uh, uh, Jedi apprentice, that's you are. That was a that was a one of one party that was very exclusive before Sabine. What there was one guy, then there's Baby Yoda, and now Sabine's also on that turf. Ah, it's fantastic. Uh, You're joining a wonderful party here. Um, so we see something peeping around in her apartment. She goes over, checks it. She goes outside. She sees some X-Wings accompanying Ahsoka's ship, ghosts into the planet, cut to Ahsoka standing there with Governor Azadi on the receiving platform. He nudges Sabine about missing the ceremony. Uh, says everyone's there. She's not everyone. And then she meets Hu Yang. She says hello to Hu Yang. Hu Yang, I love the, I love the flex from Hu Yang. Yeah, I'm still 75 original parts. 75% original parts from a thousand years ago is pretty good. Shout out Hu Yang. <laughs> Uh, also, just just a credit to an actor I very much like, voice actor too. But uh, the governor's Clancy Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah, great, very accomplished actor and voice actor. You may remember him from uh, Shawshank Redemption as being the evil prison guard. He also has yep. done voice acting for everyone from various characters in Star Wars to Mister Krabs and SpongeBob. He's also didn't know that. I, I couldn't have named him, but I liked him when I saw him. He's always great. Yeah, yeah, he's another he's another character from Rebels that oh, you, did, you don't. You don't need to know, but uh, is, it, is it is it the same? Is it the voice? Was he the voice actor, and now is the actor? Yeah, I yeah, like he was, and and they're doing the same thing with Thrawn, the same guy who voiced Thrawn, and it pisses me off because it's like, look, I I get that Rosario Dawson looks good as Ahsoka, but could we have gotten Ashley Eckstein, who did the voice for Ahsoka, to be the fucking Ahsoka? Then then it would then then it would have tied. Then it would have I would have remembered the character by looking at her. Okay, mm-hmm. anyway. Made that point before. Ahsoka's standing here looking at her super stoic. She walks up closer, pulls the ball out, says, I think I know how to find Ezra. Boom. Didn't bury the lead at all there. She's got Sabine on board. Wistful- were, were, were Sabine and Ezra – Ezra's describing Sabine as being like they were siblings. Did Sabine have the same view on this? This is where we could do a wonderful YA novel 
uh, of these two and their relationship, because it is like, uh, it is absolutely like some sort of YA novel where it's like, these two are in like school together and they're like, they're growing mm-hmm. up together. And then like, the girl next like door. You're, you're like a sister to me. And she's like kind of quiet in her room. Like, mm, I wish I was more than sisters. Like, yeah, that's kind of what this is. Oh, okay. But yeah, that, I think, that was the vibes I was getting. Was yeah. She, she, uh, there was, with, so people who watched Rebels were like strongly rooting for them to hook up. And like Ezra was always given these vibes of like, I need to protect you and take care of you. And like, I'm, I'm your big brother and your buddy. And she was always like, eh, maybe we could, you know. So I, I predict when Ezra comes back, boots are going to be knocking. That's my prediction. Uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of with Jamie in this. I'm more expecting like an uncommon valor ending of where they're investing everything to go rescue the guy. And in the end, he's just been dead this entire time, but we'll find out. I, yeah. I, Donner savvy enough to know that's probably not going to happen. That would probably be unfulfilling. But I mean, as far as the characters are, they they really don't have any reason to think. So they don't know how Thrawn escaped. So they don't. I, Lee was saying about how you know if he did, then he did. Okay, fine. Fifteen years is a long time for Thrawn to keep an enemy nearby alive, right? It doesn't make any sense that you keep saying that Thrawn would kill him. Thrawn was in no position to kill him. He he is Ezra very much can wield the Force powerfully and was holding Thrawn in place with the Force when they left. Like Ezra's much more powerful than Thrawn, unless we when they go to another galaxy, the Force doesn't exist or something. But like playing by the same rules, there's no way with, that Thrawn would be able to kill Ezra. Like it'd be the opposite. Well. Maybe not able to immediately in that fight, but would Ezra have murdered him now that they're in some other universe and can't escape? I'm going to assume if he's a good guy, probably no. And would Thrawn then decide, hey, this guy who kind of wants me dead is asleep and I have a garrot in my hand? Oh, look, now I'm here alone. It's lonely, but I'm better. I, that sounds more likely. This is like if, if, if fucking Luke Skywalker in episode five was with Grand Moff Tarkin, and they neither one of them had any weapons. You'd be like, "How the fuck is Grand Moff Tarkin gonna kill Luke? Like that's not gonna happen." Like that, he, that's kind of pushing it throw is. down, man. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> all right, all right. So Ahsoka says, "You really think?" Uh, she says to Ahsoka, "You really think Thrawn is out there, or Ezra is out there?" Ahsoka says she doesn't know, but the enemy is actively seeking Thrawn. So they're talking now on the ship. She says, "Where'd you find this?" It's on a planet called Darkana. New to me. Didn't know about it. Um, it's a stronghold for Witches of Dathomir years ago. Um, wait, wait, wait. The planet called Dark is like for, for, for the dark arts? <laughs> I love oh. that you do this. I love <laughs> it. For, for witches. Again, <laughs> <favorite> bit. <laughs> we're, we're discussing a series it's of fantastic. where in the first movie, the one fat starfighter pilot is named Porkins. This is a return <laughs> for Star Wars forever. I fucking love when Jamie does but, this. But, <laughs> You got me on that one, Jamie. I because I, you're right, but I, I hadn't I hadn't done that one in my head but yet. Do, so do it you, again, you got me. You got me on that it's one. On the nose with the naming. Uh, she says you have the artist. Eye. Hey guys, if y'all did, y'all didn't know, Sabine is an artist. Okay, she's an artist. They want you to know because they people talk about it multiple times, and she's got multicolored hair. So uh, Ahsoka shows for, her a scan now, of the temple. She cuts it off. Ahsoka shows her a scan of the temple where they found it. She says, where do you, and then she tries to get personal with Ahsoka saying, where do you find it? Where do you call home these days? And Ahsoka's like, on this fucking ship. Where, where do you think? Uh, but it's another opportunity I felt like for Dawson to show a little bit more, um, emotion. I, I, you can explain away why she wouldn't. She's being guarded with this woman. She's a Jedi master and she doesn't show emotion. I get it. There's a million explanations why. I just would have been more entertained if she could have connected me just a little bit to the Ahsoka I know in this scene. That would have been nice. Um, she says, ship serves me fine. Uh, then, uh, she says, 
I go where I'm needed, right? And she's not always. And then Ahsoka's like, ah, you never make things easy. So there's some like bickering and back and forth and clearly a lot of tension between these two, right? Sabine asks why she should, says her master never made things easy for her. So there you go. That uh, I guess in whatever school uh, Ahsoka was running, she was a master of that school. Correspondence Academy. I'm not going to call her a Jedi master, but she's a master of Ahsoka's Academy of the Force. How about that? Um, in the same way that like a lawyer that reads themselves into the law is a doctor. <laughs> doctor of laws, yes. Uh, yeah, you know what Ahsoka is? She's a jailhouse lawyer. She's she's yep. she's just she read up. She's sure. locked away. Ahsoka says there's nothing easy about being a Jedi. Sabine says she should have made a good one. Back and back and back. Anyway, Hugh, Hugh Yang comes in, says she has a, he has an update, and he explains that the he's got a match on the lightsaber. Not not one. One of them he's never seen before, but the other one, eh, it's kind of similar to this uh Lightsaber that was constructed, only one of them, shocker, that, that, that we found the one lightsaber that is, like, unique, right? Of course. Perfect. Oh, Balin's skull. He, he likes drama. I mean, he's old. He likes drama. He's taught, he's taught, he tells stories at awkward times and, and in funny ways. That's he spends all day watching Matlock. He has to hit those story beaches. He presents things. Ahsoka yeah. comes out to tell Sabina, damn, she left with the map. Look at that. One other important detail to emphasize there. Um, both of the lightsabers are in Jedi style. Uh, it's just he only recognizes one because he physically saw that thing made. But the other one is, while not one he's asked in his catalog, is built in the same way because Balon taught his apprentice how to make it in the Jedi way. That being the implication. And notably, yeah. I know that. This dude construct theirs in a very different way, so it's at least probably not Sith, which is that I, I wasn't expecting it to be a named person. I was expecting it to be a: Are these stolen lightsabers from dead Jedi? Are they Jedi lightsabers or are they Sith lightsabers? We got the answer of they're Jedi lightsabers at least. Forever. I, I guess. I guess. Like, but the but the thing is though, let's think. Let's think through this, right? Balin learned how to make a lightsaber in the Jedi fashion, but if Balin in the interim had turned to the dark side. He doesn't have a Sith master to teach him how the hell the Sith make them. So even if he was like not a guy to be trusted, he was practicing the dark side of the force as much as he's able to without a Sith master, he would only be able to teach the Jedi way to her. So I'm not sure that really tells us much. right? I, I, I feel like this is, again, setting up what you already commented on about the parallels this shows seems to be one you draw between the two different master and apprentice relationships that we already have of where they are both fallen Jedi, one might say, who have both found their own path in some shape or form. But the implication being is that while neither are clearly adhered to the Jedi or clearly adhered to the Sith, they are leaning more in direction of the light and the dark compared to each other. But they seem like the show is sending them up to be very much in parallel to each other uh, and walking similar paths and trying to find their own way with that uh, between Ahsoka and um, Balin. God, I'm still laughing at Darkana. That was a good one. Um, Ahsoka, so was, God, the world got was so funny. Ahsoka then, uh, chats with Sindula a little bit. She bemoans the, how much of a pain Sabine is, uh, you know, and uh, wait, she's such a pain and da da da. And then, and then Sabine, or, I'm uh, sorry, Sindula is like, yeah, well, mentoring someone's a challenge. I bet your master found you difficult at times. Dark music plays. Everyone gets invested at this point because we know who her, who her master was. She looks away and says, Anakin never got to finish my training. I find that line interesting. She's not hiding from anyone, at least that we see that Anakin was her, uh, that did teach her. Um, uh, before the end of the Clone Wars, I walked away from him and the Jedi just like I walked away from Sabine. That's not, uh, she's really, 
again, backstory I don't care about, but like she's being overly hard on herself. The Jedi kicked her out for some shit she did not do. And when Yoda like kind of half-heartedly asked her back in, like she was acutely aware that all, that Yoda was forcing the invitation through, that the whole council wasn't on board with inviting her back. So it wasn't like she got like a real firm, hey, we want you back. And she got kicked out to begin with. So like the idea that she walked away from the Jedi, I feel like she's being overly hard on herself. And maybe that is important for the story because now we see that she's she's a type of person who beats herself up over stuff that maybe she shouldn't, that, that she's being unfair to herself. Maybe that's a window in her psyche. Tiny side thing. I love the general here because she thought she was being joking and maybe helping her memory realizations. Then all of a sudden, look on her face of, oh, this got way too real too quick. I was not, not trying for that level of nope, nope. We don't, we don't need to talk about Darth Vader. Nope. Nope. Sorry. That, that's a great, that's a great call, Jamie. She yes, Dula did back the fuck up off of that, didn't she? She's like, oh, I don't really want to talk about Anakin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She, she clearly knew what she was talking about, sort of, but she was trying to playfully play. And it's like, oh, nope. Nope. Not, not, nope. Okay. Uh-uh. You, you went, you went way realer than I did. <laughs> Cut to, uh, when I asked you how your day was, I wanted you to say fine, and you <laughs> answered my damn question. Cut to Sabine, who is in her in her apartment with her loath cat, who's fucking awesome, and she looks at this hologram, and in it, she she's looking. She says three figures, three faces. She pulls the hologram back up, and we see three like sort of things around like three like statues of things. And I think this is a call out. And again, I'm just speaking to the the fans here who watched rebels. I think this is a call out to the force mother, daughter, father that were introduced uh, in rebels that we believe is, are probably force beings from another galaxy. Maybe the galaxy where Thrawn is, but I think that's what these three people are. Star Wars has brought the Trinity into the force. Yeah, there's so they yeah in Rebels there was these three uh, figures that were mother daughter father of Force and um, Sabine and Ahsoka both interact with the daughter a good bit a whole bunch happens but anyway um, does one of them call themselves the Holy Ghost? <laughs> yeah, I have trouble kind of saying it because I'm like father daughter because I, I, I gotta I kind of go into the father, mother father Holy Ghost yeah anyway um so anyway uh, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll- that's the kind of Easter egg I like, where I don't need to know that, but that's kind of cool, like, if you do. I, I also love that they decided, you know what, we're going to go, yeah. It, it's kind of sexist to have, like, them all. Because, <laughs> one, one, yeah, there can be boy witches, too. Don't worry about it. There can be boy witch, too. Yeah, so these they – don't you don't care, but these aren't witches. These are um, – these aren't the witches of Dathomir. These are force beings that are kind of introduced as people who are – Physical manifestations of the force. Uh, what Anakin maybe was? Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's the implication there, but they, they, they were clearly not of this galaxy when they were introduced in Rebels. Um, and I'm not even sure that's what these three people are, but I, that's what I thought they were based on the backstory. If you're right, then that does go into the whole, the witches are using the force thing, because this was made by the witches. So if you're right yeah, and yeah. are like having statues to the force, well, then the witches think they're using the force at least. Yeah, cut to the porch. She's uh, looking at her loath cat. I think I'm going on a, ch- a trip. The cat, very much like uh, my cat Picasso, would do this for me. I know, and 100. percent I know 100 percent she would do this. She would have my back. The loath cat screeches because there's somebody behind her. It's important to me that I don't think Sabine knew that that thing was behind her when the loath cat screeched. Uh, one question about the puzzle that Sabine solved: Did she literally just twist it like three times? 
I no. would have done, I would have done that no. just, you know, when I was carrying the damn thing around. Jamie, get him. Well, okay, first of all, there's not many combinations on this thing. It's not That's good. Not, no. Well, so first of all, there are a lot of combinations. Because if it was like, a, I've seen Rubik's Cubes that have three different things where you can turn them and intersect. That means every single one of those pieces could be on anywhere on any of the three circles. So even if it was just the three circles turning, that could be a lot of combinations. And it looked like there might have been more than three circles. So even if the other circles didn't matter, then that would be a lot of other combinations you would need to try to try all the combinations. So that could have worked. Second of all, it clearly has an energy source inside of it. So there could very easily be something else going on there also where you had to press in a certain spot or have it close. If so, that's not depicted, but sure. Well, so the bare minimum is it was a hard Rubik's Cube with no way to know when it was. And so every combination would be a different star map, and you didn't know which of the 10,000 or maybe it's only 200. But if it had basically 200 different star maps on it, depending on how you arranged it, you needed to know which of the 200 was the right one. And we had no way of knowing it was going to light up, so you would have just kept trying and never. And she figured it out by by dropping all everything off of the hologram except for the floor and then matching it up because she's an artist and she can see multiple levels of a painting. The, the droid would have forced that in an hour. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, anyway, Sabine runs outside, sees a cloak figure. They have a little bit of back and forth. They start a duel. I'm sure she's, um, they, well, first off, she fights the, the robots for a little while, but then she sees Sabine and then they start a duel. And I think it, I, I, if I was Sabine, it would fucking shock me because when Sabine pulls the lightsaber out, I, which is Ezra's lightsaber, um, I, I think that it would, she would probably assume, I gotcha on the weapons angle here, but then, <laughs> then yeah. she, she pulls one out too. It's probably a little bit shocking. And then they have a back and forth. And, what I gather from this is that Ahsoka might have taught Sabine for a little while, but I felt like Shin was toying with her. I felt like it was not close as far as the battle between these two. Sabine came across like that kid that's sword fighting in the backyard, which means just whacking somebody with a stick in terms of just the style she's throwing to bear. Yeah. I, I'm with you. This came across as person is angry and trying to fight to survive. Other person is having a certain degree of fun before they go for the easy kill. Yeah, Shin was dominating her, and so I don't know how long, maybe we'll get a sense through some dialogue. They love to give dialogue in this show that gives us backstory. Maybe we will learn how long Sabine was actually with Ahsoka, because that's one of the things that like Ahsoka was always known for being great at, was the the one-on-one lightsaber duels. Duels. Like She's she's like heads and shoulders above people. She actually also beat Darth Vader. Um, That's a scene uh, that we got. Uh, previous to this. Yeah, right. in Rebels, where she, she actually, that was like the last episode, second last episode, she beat Darth Vader, sliced part of his face, let him live. Come on, Ahsoka. God, probably should have killed him there. Um, man, Obi-Wan stole that pretty, just, you know, entirely for the, for the, for the end of the Obi-Wan season, didn't Yeah, I know, this is like, Ahsoka TM on that one. I, yeah, it was, it was frustrating. Yeah, but I think that the idea was Ahsoka cut one side of the face. Obi-Wan cut the other. If they could have worked together, they could have unmasked him to be Anakin again. I think that's what they were going for artistically. But yeah, Ahsoka's a great lightsaber duelist. I mean, she fucking rocked Darth Vader. She's great. She. It's shocking to me that Sabine's not better than this. Jimmy? I have opinions about this lightsaber fight, and I loved it. I loved it so much. Yeah, let me know. Before. So you have explained to me how there's different lightsaber styles, and I've, I don't know them. I don't really know them. But I can recognize, oh, they're doing the whole swing it over your head but it's not just dumb swing it over your head like somebody with a broadsword doesn't know what they're doing it's intentional and careful and seeing them fight really seemed like 
somebody who's knows but kind of has forgotten how to do it against somebody who clearly learning how they were moving kind of slow both of them throughout all of it compared to any other lightsaber fight i can remember and they both kept when they had a moment like returning to their ready stances in a way that i don't think i was reading into it i think this was real it seemed so perfect for somebody who maybe has never lightsaber dueled somebody else to the death which this easily could have been um yeah, I agree with and, that. Yeah, it, they they both seemed very surprised to see somebody else with a lightsaber fighting them. They yes. both have practiced with the lightsaber, and you know we know that Shin has killed with it, but against people who don't have lightsabers. And we know that you know she's, pr- she's probably fought her dad. Yeah, but that's practice, and he's not going to actually kill her. You know, they it, it seemed both slow because they're not experts, slow because they weren't expecting it. And they don't know what to expect from the other person because neither one knows what the other one can do. And uh, our hero wanted to not chop her arm off. Like, you'd go, probably fight kind of slow and with a lot of over-your-head, far-away style. With a, with a plasma sword flying through the air, you'd be a little bit cautious with that? A so little. So I, I, I love it so much. I, I might have been making that up and reading in, but it felt like it was slow, careful, and a little bit more by-the-bookish than you would get out of somebody who was an expert and could, um, you know, on the fly change their style. I love I, that your explanation could just as easily fit that they did not receive adequate fight training as actresses, and so they were awkward in terms of filming it. Your explanation could work just as well on that. It, that that that's called serendipity, sir. When, when <laughs> direction and the character direction are hand in hand. That's why they didn't on Saving Private Ryan. They did not let the Private Ryan be on set as everybody else was in the field for months and had to go to boot so camp. So they all together. hated and resented him. Yeah, I know. They had him Correct. show up, shiny face. But, on but that was intentional. That was I intentional. That, so that's intentional here until someone tells me otherwise. I also have a. Uh, um, a, a, a second topic on this fight, because I loved it, and I, I'll try to be more quiet, because I know we're running really long. Um, I I really, it bothered me that when she stabbed her, a flick of the wrist would have killed her and ended all of it. Because let's, whenever she stabbed her... talk more about right, this. Well, so, so that what, what doesn't happened, bother me. Well, when it happened, it bothered me, and then I understood, and I liked it. But when it happened, I thought, they really need to teach them, you know, like twisting a knife... Flick your wrist gently once up, and oh, now that went through your brain. Done. You, they should do that. They, they do a lot of stabbing once and hoping it kills the person that you're attacking, um, and, and and not a lot of actually like being careful to actually do lethal damage to somebody. The only exception is another one of our naming conventions of Qui Gon, which he wasn't he wasn't named Qui here. He was named Qui. Gone. He died real easy. Is all I'm saying. I think. <laughs> I think. Hold on. I think this can be explained. I think that Shin has. Like, I think this is maybe some evidence that Balin has taught Shin in the Jedi way, and that like there is no Jedi Order anymore, and that there may be like disillusion in some fashion. But like, she's not necessarily taught to kill people. Like, yes, she could have. She very easily could have flicked, flicked up. Like, and I think that's what Darth Maul did with Qui-Gon. I think he stuck it in and moved it up a little bit and, like, knew it was going to kill him. Like, he was going for the kill in a way that Shin probably wasn't trying to kill this woman. Um, we have gotten no implication from Balin or Shin that they, they kill for sport. They kill for no reason for fun. So I don't know. I, I, I it, it made sense to me that maybe she was trying to let her live. 
I enjoy it when something doesn't make sense to me, but they give me prompt resolution that does make sense because it makes me think and engage and then give me resolution. I love it. Okay. Uh, can, can I complete our Freudian trio right here? Yes. I fucking hated this. I really hate the Disney has made Star Wars so lame that we've had two shows almost in a row where someone has been stabbed with a mortal blow with a bolt with a freaking saber of molten plasma and we just see him walking off. It's like, I, Qui Gon died for this. Luke lost a hand. Our uh, first exposure to a lightsaber was a guy with his arms sliced off and blood pooling out of the cantina floor. And now we have two separate shows where someone gets what should in any rational world with just a regular sword be a lethal blow. And the next thing we see them, they're fine. How much do you hate that Darth Maul survived? A lot. But was permanently fucked up. Maybe. I do actually hate that he came back. I really, really do. I, I do, too. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you on that. So, first of all, um, it's the, it. if they have light, they have future space medicine that can, like, rebuild organs. So, and lightsabers cauterize the wound. If it's a small wound, it's very survivable if what? you're immediately taken to a hospital. Yes, I, but if you just remove a whole collection of blood vessels and arteries that are right here, they, even if you cauterize that, they're now no longer present to pump in your system. And they grew her new ones. They addressed this. How Look, fast. I, like, we'll they, see. They we'll see. Water balloons. They can just throw back to water balloon at you. It splashes. Look, I, I think that if you if you assume that Shin was trying to kill her, then I can definitely see Spencer's frustration. I am not assuming that Shin was trying to kill her. I, I was assuming that Shin stuck it in, knew where she was in the side, knew where she had stuck her, and purposefully pulled it back out instead of going in for the kill. We will find out because they're gonna they're gonna flesh out Balin sure. and Shin, and I think we're gonna find out where these characters' heads are. Uh, you know, can we at least agree then that on Obi Wan? Yeah, yeah, we can. Uh, Obi Wan was dumb of when the you know the one, Grand one. Inquisitor. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a plot problem. Sure. That was a big plot problem because I think whoever wrote that script didn't realize that the Grand Inquisitor was in Rebels. <laughs> they had trouble. Um, all right, so end of episode. Uh, at the end of the episode, they said for our friend Ray, because uh, the actor uh, wait, Ray, who, who wait, played. Really step, Ray Stevenson was a great actor. He was in so many wonderful things. I will always remember him as Titus Pulo in Rome. But so seeing what is rapidly my, 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 the character, I find, one of the characters I find most interesting on the show is now past is a real kind of tragic thing. Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, I felt like in this in this role, I, uh, he was my favorite portrayal of a character like of anybody. I thought there was some very poor acting in this episode, but I thought he was good. Um, so, so yeah, real, real shame. Who, who, who is that? Who did he play? Uh, uh Balin, Balin Skull. The guy who played Balin Skull is dead. Ray, Ray Stevenson. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So he, he, but I mean, he filmed the whole season before he, he died? He, he, he yes. died like very shortly after filming wrapped kind of thing, just suddenly and unexpectedly. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, that is sad. I am glad. Heart problem. The- but it makes me sad. But now I understand a little better why they put that in there. I was very confused who they were talking about and why. And I I didn't say anything rude, but I wasn't feeling it because I didn't understand it. I understand it now. Thank you. I feel like I, feel, I, also, I often feel like when I'm watching these people who like are portraying like or, or acting like in their last couple things right before a heart attack. Like I always, I always feel like I can kind of know about like how their face looks like they, they look like particularly unhealthy. Like he, he doesn't look good in this and I mean, he's acting great, but like his face is like puffy and his eyes are messed up. Like, I feel like it's the same thing when I'm at Spencer knows I'm rewatching Sopranos and I feel like I can see it on uh, James Gandolfini's face. I'm like, that okay. guy does not, and, does not have a good heart. 
Sadly, everyone could see it on James Gandolfini's face. Yeah. Okay. Well, then there we go. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Pro- I'm not, not saying anything. For that one. Not saying something anybody else didn't see. Okay. So we start episode two. We hear Ezra's voice, Ahsoka and Sabine talking. This is Ahsoka standing over Sabine's bed. So we, right away we figure out that Sabine lived. Just a little credit to episode title. Uh, episode titles. I haven't necessarily cared much for episode titles for a lot of Disney Star Wars. First one being Master and Apprentice. We're talking about the parallels between the two different sets of Master and Apprentice. Kudos for that. Second one being a freaking Shakespeare reference in Toil and Trouble. Kudos. Cle- cle- clever fit, given the witch exploration we're getting throughout all of this. Speen tells Ahsoka that the droids took the map, and she tells Ahsoka that it was locked. Um, but she unlocked it, and there was two galaxies, a pathway between them. Uh, Ahsoka looks at Hu Yang. Where did the, the pain, uh, the, pl- uh, the where did the... Um, so where did the path in our galaxy like the begin, right? Like where yeah. so where basically what she's asking is this path to the other galaxy, where did it start in our galaxy? What planet? Sabine says they took the map for she could decipher it. So it's like she keep records, she goes, eh, they destroyed that too. Now that does jive because we saw the, the droids going in and destroying all their shit in her fucking apartment. So that that did happen, right? Mm-hmm. Sabine asks Ahsoka, needs help. Says, you need my help. Uh, l- let me help you. She's no, you've done enough. So there's some tension between Ahsoka and Sabine, probably because of all the backstory, but also because Sabine stole the map and ran off to her apartment. I, and I enjoy, too. You're also in the same boat we are for a lot of this backstory, apparently. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, because, yeah, because we don't, because we don't know anything about their training or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we are. It's all, that's all the, anything about their relationship that's master student. Yes, I'm as dark as you are. And, Just and making sure. Come, in, dark as come enjoy the mystery with me. It, it's, it's great. <laughs> you, you guys can invent the entire story that you want. Yeah, cuts on his music playing and the dark, that, that, that darn Imperial transport is showing up again on the planet. Uh, rocky cliffs overhead. Balin gets out, walks towards some rocky ruins. Almost looks like Stonehenge. Seems like a Stonehenge knockoff. Uh, Shin is with him. Balin has the map. He puts it on a stone holder, puts it down, clicks, moves it a little, thuds. Says, Contact Morgan. Tell her I believe we have located the reflex point on Cetos. Don't know what that means. Shin leaves. Uh, Balin looks up and we slightly see Purgles in the clouds. So we actually see them in this episode too. Balin looks up and sees Purgles overhead from them. And, you know, my understanding of Purgles is that they are they're not you don't you don't see them a lot in the galaxy there there's not a ton of them so why they would be at this planet there's probably an in-world explanation uh related to the force in some way because um Ezra was able to use the force to connect mentally with the purgles and like was able to basically use them as, as an extension of himself at times um so they're they're kind of like a mystical spiritual spiritual creature in a way they they have some magic to them I'd almost assumed that the space was just lived and existed entirely in hyperspace. So I thought that was, I almost thought they were just trying to remind us as an audience rather than necessarily making sense. But as you said, there's, there's ways I'm sure they could explain what we're saying. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, go ahead, force to note like a shadow of them using the force. It might not have actually been that we could have seen them. It might've just been like, he remembers that they're there or can sense that, you know, they are connected to something maybe. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I assumed they were there, uh, but I think that um, you, 
I think the Purgles were, I think it seems like we're going to get a lot more about the Purgles, right? Because they're going to have to figure out some way between the, the galaxies and then we'll get some sort of explanation from Thrawn or Ezra when we see them as to what happened. I think the Purgles are going to annoy you, Spencer, because they, they, they throw, they throw a lot of like magic at them and they don't explain anything. It's like, oh, the Purgles can do that. It's like, oh, okay, great. Well, how the fuck can a space uh, whale do that? Eh, who knows? If, if Star Wars wants to do a space whale plot, I'm going to call, I'm going to say they're stealing from Star Trek, but you know, that's just me being a nerd. Um, so we get the title slide, cut to a couple of loath cats out in the field. We got wild loath cats. Love it. Absolutely enjoying it. Then Ahsoka showing up to Sabine's place. She can feel what happened there, it seems. So Sabine kind of, or Ahsoka seems to have, be so fucking locked into the force that she can kind of feel immediate memories in a place, like of things that just happened there. Cause she was like hearing some of the events in her head. Um, I, that was I, pretty I, cool. I accepted that. It, it was, I mean, it's a little bit, um, not in tune with what I know of the force, but it's almost like a, we added the force. We, we threw some force in something you already like. Somebody would be there and using their tracking skills would look at the fights on the ground and be able to tell, you know, princess bride style over exactly how it, the fight played out. It, and she's happy with the force. It very much felt like we decided that, you know, when princess bride, when, you know, Prince Humperdinck is going through the, uh, the battle between the chat, the chatty, never seen it. Or, okay, Lord of the Rings, when, when Aragorn is, re, is, is going through the events that occurred of the, ho- of the Hobbits trying to escape away from the orcs. Yes. And With you, that, that one's you get. Or Sherlock Holmes reconstructing a crime scene. Star Wars is now saying all of that was them using force powers. But she also heard the specific dialogue in her head. That's the problem for me. She's using the force to do what those guys were doing effectively. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm I'm okay with her having the power. It's just kind of new news to me that she can do that. Yes, new. I don't think they've showed anybody in the force doing that, where you're like hearing the echoes of recent history on a thing. On an I like it. I like it though. I'm okay with it. I like. It. Um, she sees Sabine's speeder bike and helmet, and Sabine's loath cat, who's fucking awesome, who's chilling there. You know, this is the cool thing about cats over dogs. You can just leave a cat in the house for a few days if you need to go away. The cat can survive on its own. Shout out cats. Uh, Wait, does it have a name? Because I want to call it by its correct name. Oh yeah, there. I think there's a name for it. Yeah, I'll look, look it up. up. I'll look it up. The uh, one time I want the deep lore and you failed me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there's a name. Uh, Ahsoka's, um, so she leans down to say hello to the cat. She walks inside. Ahsoka looks around the place. Hey, guess what? Loath cat also clues in Ahsoka that this thing is behind her, but I, I, I would get the sense that Ahsoka probably knew that already. Kills the droid in about two seconds. That didn't take very long. Back in the city, Sabine's messing around with the droid's head. She's able to figure out how to get the memory out of the head because she's smart and artistic and technical and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. So she does that. But there's this little moment where, like, I guess if she overheated the droid, that it would explode in trying to give it enough energy juice to get the memory out that I just felt like was just poorly done from a production standpoint. Like, you could have created way more. Like, I, I get this. I get the idea that Ahsoka probably knows danger that is going to come to her physical person like seconds in advance. So she knew that this thing wasn't going to explode, but you could have created more tension in that scene other than just the beeping and like who Yang being like, Hey, maybe you should knock it off. Felt like it felt like a rookie director move to me not to have more tension in that scene. This felt the most like this is an awkward cartoon adaptation kind of moment of where this, 
there's the di- the dialogue felt stilted. The interaction between the characters felt by the numbers, and the tension wasn't there. Uh, it, it 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 made it made for a rote scene that could have been different. Even why I, I, they were able to capture the droid for me is just a weird thing. Why wouldn't the droid have just blown up the place anyway? Why did the droid need to stay behind in the first place? That doesn't make any sense. I agree. I, I agree with you completely, actually. I was so much expecting better of them that I was expecting this to be a subversion of expectations thing where, like, they unplug and it's like, you unplugged it too soon. We don't – nope, nope, we, we didn't get it. It's mind-wiped. Sorry. Or, or, or they said, oh, oh, um – well, let it cool off and try again. Like, you, you, you can just, like, put it on ice for a few hours and try again. I was expecting something along one of those lines where you just subvert the expectations because it was kind of dumb and kind of by the numbers. I agree. And also, just from a logical standpoint, of all the droids to not have this feature, an assassin droid. An assassin droid should not let you be able to find out any information about where it came from. Well, I mean, I I think they kind of tried to explain that by saying that the only that that they that they prioritized its ability to keep going after losing parts of itself. And therefore, that's why it had that particular construct that she could then manipulate that way. That was kind of the explanation. So I don't know. At least they tried to speak to it. Yeah, I was more of thinking, why are they letting them defuse a portable bomb inside the hospital? You usually <laughs> go to portable bomb diffusing well, room. That's they they explained right that. They explained that too. Ahsoka said we don't have time to go anywhere else. Do it now. So <laughs> explain. cancer down the hall. You want to talk with her for a second? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like the implication is that Ahsoka Wait. knew this thing wasn't going to explode. They're going to walk to her ship. They could have gone to her ship. They could have gone to the smoking hut outside the front door on the way to the ship. They were they, they, did they not were walking have to open it together. Here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I only loved one thing about that scene, and that was that the head obviously had physical weight to it. Her maneuvering it was just good prop work that it actually was a heavy object. I agree with that. I remember that now. Yeah, now that you say that, I do remember her. It does look like she was moving a piece of metal around for sure, yeah. And honestly, that gave me, again, I write whatever backstory I want, (laughs) how strong droids are. It reminded me how heavy droids are because, oh, the droid fell on me. I'm stuck. It's like, no, the droid fell on you. You have internal bleeding. Like <laughs> You've got 500 pounds of mass on top of your head. Yeah. Yes. It, just, that he- he- just the head is difficult to lift. Well, um, because I like to catalog force powers, um, there is another thing Ahsoka could have done if this thing exploded. She could have pulled the Grogu, where we've seen Grogu okay, down multiple times. Energy containment thing. Energy containment thing around flames, which we've seen Grogu do. But I don't know how that would have saved Sabine. But maybe Ahsoka doesn't give a fuck about Sabine at this point. You, you, guys, <laughs> you guys just pointed out a fun consistency, they, they too. They can't all be winners. You, you guys just pointed out a fun consistency. Yeah. <laughs> You guys put a funny consistency to me too. I hadn't thought about, but you guys talk about, you know, dear God, why are they just being so cavalier to, you know, try to defuse this bomb in the middle of a hospital? The only reason they don't shoot, shoot down a ship later is on the off chance that it might land in a, in a civilian, you know, part of town. So they were concerned in some way about the public there, but not when they're just cavalierly trying to defuse well, a bomb in the hospital. For what it's worth, the head is not where the self-destruct nuke is, clearly. So maybe the head would only be like a grenade and only kill the three of them. Great. A frag grenade in the hospital. Let's see how that goes. And the nurse spread in. Knock, knock. How's everybody doing? I bet you. I I bet you a lot of money. 
That's a lot of money. That if you sat Dave Filoni down and you asked him about this scene, he would say there wasn't much tension and they were allowed. They, they went ahead and did it in the space they were in. The boat, the reason for both of those things is that Ahsoka and Syndulla both had inherent faith in Sabine. I'll bet that's what he would say. Which, if that's he the case, he lost his faith. Uh, his that, faith was destroyed. If that's the case, then don't give us this strange teasing that it might explode, right? Uh, because yeah. you you made us think that it might explode, and that doesn't jive with what the characters already know. If they have this faith in Sabine that she'd be able to figure it out, so I don't know. The whole thing didn't work for me. Moving on, uh, yeah. So um, here, so as Ahsoka leaves, Sandula tells Sabine that she did well, and Sabine's like, ah, "Tell her she just, she never tells me I do a good job." Uh, it's like me with Spencer. I'm always like, "Ah, he never he never tells me I'm, he never gives me enough positive." I don't, reinforcement. I don't want you to be comfortable. If you think you're doing a good job, you'll send your laurels. Yeah, look at you. You're like Ahsoka. You know, it's just, if you sit on stoic. your laurels, you wish them. They're they're fragile. Spencer's yes. stoic, stoic like like Ahsoka. So they chat a bit more. Sadula tells Sabine that take that fucking back. I've got Sabine. more range than that woman. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're a better actor on the podcast than what we're getting out of this fucking character. Uh, Sadula tells Sabine that Sabine and Ahsoka need each other. Get some rest. You're going to need it. A little more teasing of the New Hope music. You here. had a lightsaber through your chest. And then she tells her, thanks, Hera, which better. is interesting. Interesting that Sabine does this because uh, that's General Sindula to you, my friend. That's a, that's a general of the New Republic. But because of her backstory, because she knew her back then, she feels comfortable still calling her Hera, which is her first name. I enjoy that generals in this setting don't have aides, don't have assistants, don't have any troops or anything else that follow them around. She's just, she just entirely on her lonesome for all of this. Bro, I might, I might be an Imperial. This. Because I, I accept that, like, she's doing her own stuff and she has talking to people and, you know, she doesn't have to get them following her around. But then when she's later investigating and she didn't, like, bring anybody. Like, like call anyone? Guys, I think I might be an Imperial. The New Republic sucks. Sucks. They they're suck. terrible. They're they, how the fuck are they running a galaxy? I have no idea how they're running. They're not. They're running on God, hope. for the Empire, I might be a fucking Imperial at this point. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure Thrawn can run things a lot better than these Jokers. I'm, it's it's the weirdest thing of what what does Disney want us to feel about all this? And what's so strange is that like I, and Jamie, I know you don't know anything about scares, but like Thrawn does not just randomly kill people. He values life. That's a big difference between him and the rest of the Empire, and especially Palpatine. He values life. He doesn't like killing people for no reason. He's brutal. He can be brutal. Oh, he, for sure. He, he will kick the dog down the stairs. Yeah, for sure. But he does not just randomly kill people for sport. Like this whole killing of Alder, blowing up Alderaan thing, like in the books, that's even discussed that he thinks that's just crazy. He also doesn't support the building of the Death Star and these big planet killing things. Like, I'm starting to think maybe I'm on Thrawn's side here. He might be a better ruler than these fucking New Republic people. Lay back in dictatorship. Go on, Jimmy. I, yeah, here we I, go. I, I'm going to make a weird prediction that I have very Team little faith in. But I, I, I'm going to put a tiny little flag in my prediction stand that Disney or the writers or something saw how after – people like rooting for villains. People like engaging villains and yeah, theories. Like well, Thanos, how many people – both in world and fans had actual conversation about Thanos did nothing wrong and he had a good theory and no he had a fucking stupid ass theory but you people still were saying that they do the same I, thing with the emperor as well well well, I, well the emperor I, I, was re- really good at governing and really smart though Spencer you have to remember 
that he was in, his, in between the mass genocide and blowing up planets and investing the entire social yeah. security fund in Death Stars. He was fantastic at keeping at, at, at the bureaucratic Power. process of building up worlds and but, and and. It, very efficient when you're able to murder everyone that is in your way. Yeah, fantastic. He was. He was really good at that. So he, here's my theory. I think that they are going to give us a Thrawn who is compelling to us as the audience. Yeah. Where he's like, look, you're right. Alderaan blowing it up, terrible. Enslaving all these people to mine their the, sacred the and everything? terrible. Uh, Palpatine, I mean, he was the guy in charge. I was not going to go against him. Terrible. Uh... And that's that's another part of Thrawn. That's I'm another gonna, part of that's another part of Thrawn's backstory, Jamie. Is that like Thrawn probably was going to make a move against the Emperor at some point? Like part of the reason the Emperor put him on the outer rim, I bet. Yeah, he joined up. He joined up in a ruse. There, there's this whole like fake backstory, but he joined up with the Empire because he was worried that the Emperor may go to the outer rim, specifically Chiss, and and enslave them and do what he's doing across the whole galaxy. So he thought, if I can proactively get into the organization, I can stop that from happening. Fucking Thrawn might not be that bad. He might be he might be an okay option here. Well, I, I think he's going to be bad, and I think like we will be bad or evil people if we end up by the end of his Thrawn's arc, whatever that is, whatever shows he's in. If we like are still rooting for him, I think that'll be clearly the wrong choice because it is still Disney and still Star Wars. There is light, <laughs> but I, I light and him, dark and and Valen's gone. I think he's going to be an um, yeah, you know, not an anti-hero. I think he's going to be an anti-villain, basically, where we sympathize with him a lot. Like he's he's Tony Soprano. Be, well, he he's Xanados from Gargoyles. If you know that old TV I, show, I, I do. Good reference. I, I, I'm a huge fan. It's actually my favorite cartoon, like, of all time. It's very... Really? Cool to make that. Yeah. Um, but Xanados mm, Z- is just the smartest person. He sets it up where, if I win, I win. If you win, I still win. Because I made it so that every possible contingency is, I win. And I have no powers. That's, that's tied to Thrawn right there. And I have no powers yeah, in a world of girl magic and beasts and monsters. And I'm still somehow always coming out ahead. He sounds like Thrawn, and that guy ends with a – he's still kind of a villain, but we're all friends with him and going to his wedding. Like, I, I think we're going to have a Thrawn that the audience is encouraged to be uh, not – Okay, yeah, you, you could sort of – you sort of buzzed out there, Jamie. We, sometimes we have a little bit of connection issues with you. But, um, Spencer, what's your thoughts on my newfound uh, – my, my flag in the sand that I'm now a Thrawn supporter? Uh, I think it's just a weird mistake on Disney's part that they've done nothing whatsoever to make anyone care about the New Republic. I feel like they're focused on always making the protagonists of their shows, the outsider, the rebel, the person that doesn't fit into society, has made them therefore paint the New Republic as also being a bad guy, because in some ways our main characters don't fit in with them either. But I think that they've gone so far on that that no one is invested in them. No one cares about their fate. We care about some of the people that are fighting for them, but them to a man don't, or, or I think the New Republic is corrupt and inefficient and bad in a way, like they're speed running the end of the Old Republic levels of corruption and incompetence. So, so I, I'm okay, though, because in the movies, when would we be invested in them in the movies? In movie seven, it just gets blown up instantly. So yes, why? and that was dumb. But yeah, we can talk. We can talk so, about that too. Spencer, can I give you some catnip here? 
Uh, it, sure. It might just be a fucking retcon. It might just be, well, we started episode seven with the new order, uh, like, uh, uh, here. Like, we have to explain how that came about. So the New Republic had to fuck up pretty bad in a short amount of time. So let's go back me, and explain that now. physically hurts me as a fan of the expanded universe and the Legends canon to see how fast they are having all of our heroes from the original movies just screw the pooch in terms of and the it, government they're setting no, up. No, they didn't. of all the corruption who were determined to fix the problems of the old Republic and make a better future, just instantly making something even worse. Well, but, well no, there's, there's three of them. They explained that. There's three of them, and Leia did her best, but it's a huge, literally galaxy-wide bureaucracy, and she's one person. And so she starts kind of doing her side thing when the bureaucracy isn't doing what it should be doing. Well, and Luke is trying to focus on the Jedi, which, yes, I liked the new Jedi order and the kids and Jana and Jason. And I liked all that, but he's trying his own thing and it doesn't work out, but he's trying to do it separate from the government. He's not getting into politics and Han. Oh my goodness. I kind of would love to see him try to be a politician because that would be hilariously terrible. Jamie, there's a lot of other people in the rebel Alliance. There were a lot of other people, so, including a lot of experienced politicians that were involved in that shit. At least there were in legends. I think I think an example of how they did nosedive a lot of the characters we love is that like Leia was only out on her own doing her own thing because Mon Mothma, who I'm supposed to fucking like, who ha- I have liked for 30 we years until now, decided, oh, the New Republic doesn't need an army at all. No standing it's army. Entirely no, disbanding none. army. We're disbanding 90 something percent of the army. Like and Leia was oh, like, ter- would never be that stupid. No, and Leia was like terrible fucking idea, and fought it, and lost the the vote in the Senate. And there's a whole book on this. Um, like, it, I don't believe that Mon Moth would do that. Matter of fact, I have a hard time believing that the Mon Mothma that we just saw in Andor would in do. Andor. No, God, no. I don't know, Jamie. Rebuttal. Hey, buzzer. You're talking about some book, and I didn't see any book on Disney Plus. So buzz, Jamie buzz, writes him. He doesn't read him. Jamie writes him. He doesn't read. He would have given me a book. He didn't. He gave me a movie. God damn, Spencer, you're funny sometimes. Jamie Jamie writes the books in his head. He doesn't. He doesn't read them. Uh, Balin says this place was not built by Jedi. <laughs> My books are better, man. My books are better. I believe it. Start writing. They need your help. Two hours into a podcast, you hit that line. Good lord, that was funny. Uh, Balin says this place is not built by the Jedi. Whose work is it? And this is a. Um, this is uh, Elsbeth. She says an ancient people from a distant galaxy, and she says, like to see it. So Elsbeth then uses her – I'm calling it force powers. We're all calling it force powers, although we had a discussion earlier that it could be something else. But for the purposes of this podcast, we call it force powers. She uses her force powers to open the key. Whoa. Looks pretty cool. And what we see is our galaxy, which she shows, and then other galaxies. And, and I had a different reading on this. Than you all did, or at least that Jamie did. Jamie, I think what you communicated early on is that you thought this was one universe with a bunch of different galaxies. And I thought that these were different universes with different galaxies and that you were going across time and space through these wormholes to get to them. So, um, I don't know. It's well, how I thought. You might be right because – for one thing, you know all the other canon about the space between universes or something uh, like that is weird, different. And they did use the phrase time and space, which I was like, oh, he was reaching out across time and space. Like, what, what do you mean time? Like, I guess, you know, relativity, time and space are the same thing, but we go faster than light all the time. Like, no, 
He, if he's reaching from just somewhere far away, time is not a factor here. Side, very brief side point. Apparently, David Tennant cannot stop getting cast in movies about traveling through space and time. <laughs> with space whales. Typecast. And, Typecast. And people, with space whales and with people who should not be left on their own for 15 years in a box flying around. Like, the, that's those are big plot points that he apparently can't get away from. Very specific space whales and lonely spacemen. If this droid pulls out a, a, a special screwdriver at some point, I'm going to freak the hell out. Did you see the lightsabers? They didn't not look like screwdrivers. They, they do look a little bit like sonic screwdrivers. This is true. I'd like to know how Grand Admiral Thrawn, who cannot wield the Force, who has no Force powers, can survive not just going out into space with no spacesuit, but going through hyperspace and presumably going carried to another planet in that galaxy somehow survives. I'm going to need a lot of backstory here about how he survived this. And sends messages. He doesn't send messages. That's artistic. She literally says that he is. She also said she's a survivor and not a witch. Like, she can say all kinds of stuff. She is communicating with him because she's a witch and she has space wizardry. Look, divination Ah, is an entire book. In, in, in Dungeons and Dragons. Look, we're just going to DM our way through all of this. So it's fine. Like, just, I'm not going not, not gonna to go into this again because this is just a lore preference. If this is where they've gone with Thrawn's lore that I'm not playing catch up with, I kind of hate it. I kind of hate that, you know, he's now in some way the Messiah that now has to be rescued from exile rather than, no, he's just spent 15 years marshalling his forces to take over this shit because the man's planning and the man's building and everything else. Yeah, it was much. I agree. I liked the Legends canon where, I mean, it it made for a really compelling scene in the End of Rebels. I mean, that was a hell of an ending scene with Ezra holding him there and then they shoot off into hyperspace and everybody's left like wondering what the fuck happened. And clearly they all think they died at that point. That was a cool scene. But I did like it a lot better when the shit went down. Thrawn basically retreated to the Outer Rim where he could be safe and Basically went into time. Egg, built exile, his resources, built his an time. empire. Yeah, and then he was the guy who came back to threaten the New Republic, who wasn't tripping its over over its own dick. That like fucking was a organization that was capable of actually waging war with Thrawn. Because that's another thing is that, like if Thrawn comes back, and this is, I'm, and I'm talking about the Thrawn that we, I'm not talking about Legends Thrawn at this point. I'm talking about the Thrawn that we saw in in Rebels. That guy is absolutely capable of taking down this new republic, like a hundred percent. I don't think he'll have to. I, I think he just walks up to you know Coruscant and just says, "Hey, would you prefer me?" And he's going to win a democratic vote at this point. Well, I'll vote for him. <laughs> yep. So, so I, I think that's interesting because you're right. If it was, he's the smartest, the best general, the best politician. He's just that good. That is a good reason to want to go find him, but. It's it, he oh, makes good decisions is kind of a, not a strong enough reason to go through all of this. You are right, kind of like he's the new messiah or something for the. Yeah. Um, They're it, treating it, him it, like but, a religious, biblical, magical figure in a way that I don't think he should right. be. That Here's we, how that we can't win without him and we can't lose with him is kind of what they're. He's the MacGuffin almost so far for them. If but, it was, and he has built his own army and has all this power, and he'll come in and take charge. That would make a lot more sense on why they care so much. But if it's really just we want to swear our fealty to him and lick his boots forever because he's just that perfect. I hate that. Uh, 
<laughs> like, is an evil Mary Sue a thing? Because that's kind of what it does. Like, I don't well, know. I think it, I think it kind of the only thing that in my mind where that could work is it like this is an organization that's used to a single figurehead leading it. And like they are, they have a void in that role now. And they're like, we need someone to be the emperor-esque figure for us. So I can see them trying to slot him into that role. But no, that's not how he's ever been. He also is not a guy who, who seemed to like be necessarily be chasing absolute power either. He kind of hate this level of worship, really. Yeah. Like all of his, all of his motivations are, are pretty hidden, but it's, it's kind of, I don't know. Anyway, we're doing a lot of talking about a character we haven't seen on, on screen yet for, for we'll see how we, We'll see how um, they But, uh, Balin says pathway to Peridia, and he says that that's some thing that the children at the Jedi Temple talked about. Uh, and she says, well, those tales are based on truth. Uh, and he says, I feel the path clouded as forward. She says, Thrawn calls to me across time and space. That's the line that you referenced there, Jamie. Says, and our guy Balin is more, more in line with, with Jamie's thinking. He goes, yeah, you're, you're talking about like dreams, vague hopes. Fucking, you're, you're full of shit. I and love she goes, Balin. And she got it too. You speak of dreams, vague and fractured hopes. And she says, the threads of fate do not lie. She then uses her force powers to close the thing up, and she drops it. The Eye of Simeon. I don't know what that is. Scion. Scion? Scion? Yeah. Eye of Scion. The Eye of Scion is on its way here. Um, clearly, I didn't know what it was. Uh, and she says, make sure everything's ready for its arrival. So uh, I think that that might be. Um, well, yeah, I think that might be the ship that has the. The hyper hyperdrive, the uh, it, epic hyperdrive, uh, hyperdrive cubed. It, it seems like yeah that they've just taken a lot of star destroyer hyperdrives, linked them into kind of a ring, and they're going to like in some way use these to I don't know break the fabric of space and time. I don't understand. Otherwise, go really fast, really far. So, yeah, in I, some I, way, this is the thing. I, I am curious whether this ring is going to just like like a smoke ring through space, go extra faster than fast. Or if it's going to turn into, like, the Stargate. and Yeah. Just, like, uh, I'm actually hoping for a Stargate. I think I'd find that more interesting than it goes real damn fast. So, anyway, they go to... No, no, I'm, I'm now hoping that they're not pointed in the direction you think. They're all pointed in a circle. And it's going to literally spin so fast that it makes, like, a black hole, wormhole. And that would be cool. That would look hmm. cool. That would look so cool. I, I'm hoping for that so much right now. I bet the people who live on this ship are called belters. I bet that. Um, <laughs> so, hey. It looks like a belt. It's, it goes around your waist. You're also stretched really thin. So uh, they go to Corellia and there they uh, find uh, or they meet with a guy who is supposed to be like the head of the shipyard, like a businessman who's like contracted to do the work for the New Republic who used to work for the Empire. You want to talk yep. about a guy that is just – Min Weaver. You want to talk about the guy that's typecast? This guy is always typecast in roles that are coming across as being kind of swarmy and seedy. Yeah, for sure. As soon as you see him on camera, you're like, I can't trust that fucking guy. Um, So they kind of go back and forth about wanting to see the facilities, and he doesn't want to show them, but eventually he acquiesces because Syndulla is a general, and he takes them around. But in the course of all of uh, this sort of showing them around, showing them the, the, the shipyard, they have a conversation about the fact that there are people still working there who used to be Imperial, but they just switched over to the New Republic. And this guy's like kindergarten logic is, well, nobody gives a fuck about politics, so we just switched everybody over. And I don't think that landed really well with Syndulla at all. And because it didn't land well with Syndulla, that made me think that that was not the norm in these places for people who worked for the Empire to just immediately flip over and work for the New Republic. There was likely some sort of vetting process, and we actually got some of that in Andor, I believe. Yeah. 
when there was like a basically a rehabilitation re- rehabilitation redoctrination or whatever like like the bring somebody re- in reeducation camp. Yeah, I, I I called it like more like indoctrination of like the new republic, but like that's yeah. clearly what it is. It's like trying to like beat out the old, not physically, but beat out the old imperial love for, uh, and and get you on on board with the, the republic, with the new republic. And and it seems like these people didn't have to go through that at all, which kind of surprised Sindula as they're going around and talking. And lo and behold, it went wrong. Yeah, and then they go back and for Sindula and and Ahsoka start talking about Sabine, and she says, "Hey, look, the thing with Sabine paid off." And Ahsoka's like, "Nah, she lost the map." Sindula says, "Well, she unlocked it." They push back and forth, and Sindula pitches the idea that Ahsoka brings Sabine back on as an apprentice. Says she should use she could use some structure, and Sindula go or uh, Ahsoka goes, "She's not ready." She goes, "Well, well, what makes somebody ready?" And Ahsoka gives this wonderfully descriptive line, uh, you just know, so do they. So, okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Ahsoka. I actually, I love that from the general. That shows a lot of emotional intelligence and that she really knows Ahsoka pretty well and kind of knows how to not quite manipulate her, but how to have these conversations and get her to have these hard thoughts. She's just smart. And maybe, you know, she can't trick Ahsoka, but like, how do you know when they're ready? Is basically her way of saying, bullshit. Mm. Stuff up. You're saying she's not ready. That doesn't mean anything except you don't want to, and you don't want to admit to yourself or me why you don't want to. I love that. This is one of two lines in these two episodes that I thought was just unnecessarily vague. And Jamie, I'm with you. I feel like in some ways the general is calling Ashoka on her shit here, and Ashoka's response is just kind of dumb. Uh, so um, the other one was when Governor Clancy Brown in the last in the first episode was doing that monument, and he when he's presenting he says. Some years ago, the empire fell. It's like no politician would ever say it that way. I'm worried no. the writers don't know how long ago the empire fell based on the current timeline. No, I think they know. I, I yeah, but that's that. You're right. They shouldn't have written it that way. I agree with you. Um, I mean, you, okay. Some the best speech writers say exactly how many years: four score and seven, not a couple dozen. But look, not everybody's. <laughs> Freaking Lincoln, the guy is good at standing and glowering and then not actually knowing where his speakers are and then saying, oh, stall for time while we hunt the city for her, which is going to take hours. Okay. Stall for time for a few hours. If, if we're ranking four score and seven years ago, a couple dozen, more than ten, some time ago. We're way down the spectrum here with what he offered us. It's just not great writing, I think. Um, I, I don't, I think that they should have just, because also, like, it's an opportunity to help us understand where it's at in the timeline. If they'd have thrown in 42 years ago, or I think it, I think it's more probably about, uh, what at this point, somewhere around 12 or something, maybe to 11 or 12, because I think Mandalorian started at 10. We don't know. They could have told us. Yeah, exactly. But it's somewhere about 10 or 12. That would have been great. Great bearings for people, uh, but opportunity missed. So anyway, Sabine has a conversation with Hugh Yang. Hugh Yang is on her shit, does not appreciate what he does. the fact that Sabine is not uh, more disciplined and not pushing to continue her training. And Sabine's like, well, nobody, you know, she won't take me. She hasn't asked me or whatever. Hugh Yang's like, that's bullshit. That's just a fucking excuse. And it, Hugh Yang ends it with, um, they have a conversation about Sabine's force powers. And this is something I referenced earlier in the podcast where there was no implication. There's actually not just a, they didn't just tell us that Sabine doesn't have force power, right? Like they, they didn't just like let me, let me figure out how I want to phrase this. So not only did they have a character 
that never showed force abilities. They actually had a character they put in situations to show you they didn't have force abilities. So I think this is a reference to that when he kind of like slams her. Says that she's the weakest fucking Jedi he's ever seen. In a thousand years, she's the weakest. So And I I see you in a lie. So I think he actually means like you are the one percent, and I mean that in the worst way possible. It's like like literally every living thing has a connection to the force, and I'm comparing you to goldfish. So I actually loved that because I, I take that it's true, but what is he pairing that with? He's pairing that with, and I want you to be the only apprentice of the only Jedi. It's kind of here. I took it as him saying, you have other strengths that will make you just as good of a Jedi anyway, that are so good to overcome that is what I took. I love this line. It's probably my favorite line in the two episodes because it also emphasizes the point of, yeah, you were weak. That just means you have to work harder. It's basically his in conclusion here. It's not like saying you can't. He's saying that anyone potentially can. Even you that had the least potential. It just means that you are wasting your damn time when you could be working to accomplish this. It's just and not that's my, Yeah, but it, I guess, but it's just never been my understanding that anybody could it, be a Jedi. It, it's, it's, it's also, as you said, it's, a certain, it's also in many ways a, 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 an attempt at a retcon to explain apparently why rebels just never went into that subject with her. And, no, and actually showed us that she didn't have it. Like, we're, we're, Lee, yeah. Lee, nobody has zero midichlorians. She has Shut, a little stop, stop. She, you can only hurt me so much. We don't talk about have, those here. Look, look, if I want to be around my LOL cat, I need to take my allergy shots. She needs her metachlorian shots, which they actually suck out of. I'm out. Yoda. John, I hope you have a great night. I'm out. Hey, that's what they were doing with Grogu. They were taking Grogu's uh, metachlorians out to put it in Sabine. Okay, got it now. Makes perfect sense. Um, I will so, later. I'll find a way. <laughs> so Sabine says, uh, doesn't matter. I've never had the talents, you know, whatever, uh, like Ezra. So she's like pointing out that Ezra was stronger than her in the force. And that is very true. Anyway, they end that conversation with Hu Yang saying, the only time you're wasting is your own. Cut to the leaders of the shipyard, continuing to give Sandula and Ahsoka a tour. Continues to say that they can find homes for things from all Imperial Star Destroyers. So every when they decommission an Imperial Star Destroyer, they break it apart for parts. They can find homes for it everywhere in the galaxy, supporting the New Republic. And Syndulla calls bullshit and says, wait a second, that hyperdrive, we're not building anything that big. So there's no reason to have a hyperdrive that big. And he says, ah, well, this is classified. And she's like, fuck off. I'm a fucking general. There's nothing classified to me. And he goes, yeah, there is. I can't unseal it. Calls the droid over. We all know these protocol droids from C-3PO in the main series are snitches, absolute snitches, and 100% snitches the guy out. When Ahsoka asked if they had seen any assassin droids around, any HK droids around, the guy's like, oh, of course not. The droid's like, I've seen one. He punked me the other day when I was trying to do inventory. And so, boom, they kind of know what he said in that accent, too. This is all kind of bullshit. Right. And so as the bullshit starts to flow more and more, uh, the guy's getting more and more uncomfortable. Finally, somebody just fucking the room. Let's Let's the damn go. Like, just let's it flood. We hear for the empire and they attack. Well. I mean, I guess that's the only thing they could do in that situation. But Sindula and Ahsoka make short work of this crowd and destroy them. Sindula goes for the transport. Ahsoka goes to her ship, but in doing so, runs into an Inquisitor. Damn Holy Holy shit. So I had a quick question. They talk about HK droids. 
are the droids that we've seen so far HK Assassin droids? Because the only HK Assassin droid that I know of calls people meat bags and looks very different. Yeah, this is not HK-47. HK-47 existed in a time frame that now no longer exists in the Star Wars universe. Sadly, these are the best we're going to get for HK droids. I think that there's all manner of HK droids. I think HK just means assassin. Yes. It literally means hunter-killer. That's what it stands for. I was wondering why they were asking about assassin droids out of the blue, uh, because I didn't realize that the droids they had been fighting counted as assassin droids. That makes perfect sense. But the video game is still canon because they talked about it with the crystal that in Andor. So whatever you just said was wrong. That video they're, game is canon and it's wonderful. It, it's really not. They're, tr- they're still debating what aspects of it to incorporate in. I'm sorry. All of it. Is this, oh. is this that one? Um, this is the one we tried to get you to play, Knights of the Old Republic. I think that, I think that Felonia said that Knights of the Old Republic is it, canon. He's, he's said it, but it's not been incorporated in, and the literal time frame that it existed in doesn't exist anymore in, in, in Disney Star Wars time frame. They've compressed it to the point that that time period down no longer exists. Okay. Well, I don't, I, they, they still could find a way to wrap it in. Um, yeah. It's in the other universe that we now just might exist. Jamie, don't do that. Don't yeah, get them. That's, that's true. It could be in the other universe. That would work perfectly. Save no, 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 Star Wars from parallel I'm, universes, please. I'm going to make Spencer happy. Spencer, that other universe looks just like ours, except there are no midichlorians. Tell me more. Please, start writing. <laughs> well, this uh, Jamie's being consistent, at least, because he thinks in the other universe, Thrawn could just casually kill Ezra Bridger. Like, and, uh, I, over you know, 18 I, years? Over yeah, 18 years. over 18 years, he's got... Over 18 Sometimes years, Thrawn Grand- got a choke a bitch. Over 18 That's what years, we're saying. Would Grand Moff Tarkin have a chance at killing Luke Skywalker? No, it could be 20 years, 25, 30. Uh, He's not doing it. Do you, do you know how you handle a force person? A pillow and gentle <laughs> their sleep for five minutes. Or, or please, for the love of God, start giving some of these droid guns. If those five droids had guns at the start, oh. Ahsoka would have died. So we're rolling up here toward the end. And I, I, um, I, I have a quick question. Why, okay. I, this is from some meme or joke I saw online, but it's so true, and I lose my brain. Why don't people have shotguns, or more specifically, a laser gun that shoots three lasers simultaneously so that lightsabers can't block all three of them? They exist in the video games. I know that much. A shotgun. And they're a bitch to block with a lightsaber. I know. So wh- one of those... And the Jedi are done. Maybe two, because as they're, like, making one person point their gun in the other direction, the second one can get them. Uh, Jamie, Jamie, if if Grogu can can just create a force bubble that stops flames from coming to him, why don't Jedi just create force bubbles to stop the blasters? Because move at the speed of light, and fire doesn't. Jamie, I'd also offer that if you wanted a possible in yours, we're not seeing them now, is because the Jedi have been basically extinct. All lightsabers have been, you know, not really around for like, you know, 100 years or 50 years or whatever else. We should have, though, seen them in the prequels as being something like the people actually have to deal with Jedi in their lives kind of thing. I mean, made a joke of like, you know, block this, you damn Jedi, as the Mandalorians are like, why do you have flamethrowers? They never help. It's like, they would help For for Disney Star Wars sake, it's the same reason everyone just keeps shooting Beskar and expects a different result. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I still think the force bubble thing, I mean, it doesn't matter how fast the thing is shot. It doesn't matter how fast the blaster bolt is. If you see somebody with a gun, just start the force bubble before they even get going. Like, it would be pretty simple. You run out of uses after that, after a few rounds of combat. That's what's not for the public part. 
I'm, you can't I'm gonna, that for long. He's only got so many spell slots, man. So then we see Chopper. And Chopper's a cool fucking droid. It's got two little arms, and it's dope. And the cool thing about Chopper, because Chopper was introduced in a cartoon that came on Saturday mornings for children, is that when it goes beep boop beep boop it's basically speaking English, except that, that? except that you can just hear him go, like, if I'm going to tell, like, if Chopper wanted to tell Spencer to shut up, I'd now go, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I heard that droid say, what the fuck, at one point, and just goop, gobbledygook. Like, yeah, I can that's understand the cool part the about droid. Chopper. It, it, it sounded like the Minions mixed with Kenny from South Park. I, it was I, very Kenny. I, I, I couldn't decide how I felt about that, and I still can't. Cause I, I, I kind of don't. It, it's funny, but it's like, that, that's just weird, really. Look, that's just Chopper, okay? Y'all going to have to the, deal with it, because Chopper look, fucking rules. The, the fact that he attaches homing devices by spinning around and throwing them and hoping. That was uh, hoping. Uh, he did the calculations. He's a droid. He was running regression. He was running fucking regression analysis before he threw that look, thing. Look, he can't calculate that the thing I'm looking for might be under the thing I'm looking for. He's a droid with ADHD. I don't want him throwing these things that are relying the entire universe on. I think he's using uh, high level mathematics in order to do that. But we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, quick, quick question, by the way. Do you know who his voice actor was? What for Chopper? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Dave Filoni. Oh, there you go. Okay, great. There, it's good. <laughs> Best like director I've ever seen, man. So Ahsoka keeps fighting with the Ahsoka keeps fighting with the Inquisitor. I mean, I'm I'm calling this an Inquisitor because it fucking looks like an Inquisitor, talks like an Inquisitor, quacks yeah. like an Inquisitor. It looks like an Inquisitor to me, but they don't call it that. Show. It, it, for all we know, it could be the uh, the other female Dark Jedi's older brother, and it could just be a family trio. Yeah, and Who I knows? can't imagine that you got this far in the podcast and, and don't know what Inquisitor is, because you probably, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, you've watched the Obi-Wan series, but Inquisitors are a group of, um, force sensitive, not, not Sith, not Sith Knight level, right? They're not like at the, at the level of like a, a Darth Vader or something, but they're force sensitive Sith users, or force sensitive, sensitive Sith force users who, uh, Darth Vader commissioned to work with him in a small group to hunt down the Jedi. There you go. We saw a lot of them in Obi-Wan, for example. Chopper starts looking for a tracking device. He asks Syndulla if she's been going through his shit. I personally think Syndulla's been going through Chopper's shit. Um, the Inquisitor launches his lightsaber bow staff at Ahsoka. She jumps on the sh- jumps on the ship, and it does a boomerang thing. And Ahsoka has this pretty cool moment where she just sort of like casually moves like two inches as the thing flies back by. I'll tell you this. Um, Ahsoka killed the droid. And I don't think that Inquisitor had too many, too much, too much longer to go with Ahsoka. He, I think, he, I think he was going to get, he minutes. was going to get, he was going to get walloped. And I think he knew that and he got the hell out of there. Jimmy. I, I, I mean, the list of people making dumb decisions or failing to take advantage of good opportunities is not a short list in Star Wars. And that's, I mean, that drama, tension, whatever. Instead of dodging to the side, she could have just lifted her lightsaber like two feet and Cut his lightsaber in half. Yes, that would have yes, been like that would have been badass that too. Yeah, it would have been even more badass. Would have actually done something, even if it's just making the guy spend a few hours building a new one. If it or, or it might be a lot harder than that. I don't know. I don't know why she would have dodged and not tried to knock it away or slice it in half or something. Uh, also, just practically speaking, Corellia is a core world of the New Republic. Why the fuck does the general not like call the planetary defense forces or somebody to help? Yeah, I, I got the I got the impression that like 
she just was out. She was just going very fast and she could have done that. Right. Um, but she was going very quickly here. And also like Sindula is a, Sindula is a fighter pilot. Like that's her backstory. I know the backstory doesn't matter to, to some people, but like that's her backstory. Like it's not shocking that she would just get in the cockpit. Tunnel visioned. Yeah. That's kind of how she rolls. Like she's just going to do it herself. Well, and that, that's backstory that's really shown. Like she's a general, but she dresses like a fighter pilot is doing her own stuff without folks following her around. She's, a general who's actually still would want to pilot a ship in the dogfights. Then I'll have it said for the record, she shouldn't be a general. I mean, maybe yeah, not. No, no, yeah, well, the New Republic sucks. We already established that. <laughs> Fucking Thrawn would be running a better universe than all these idiots. Um, so anyway, uh, Chopper does, Cindula gets close enough to this thing. Uh, Chopper throws the through after after a lot of high level mathematics throws the tracking beam onto it. It's successful. Uh, they come back down and uh, Sindula and Soka are Ch- debriefing afterwards. Chopper quietly would have been great at disc golf. That man would have kicked ass at frisbee golf. Chopper would be great at a lot of things, my friend. You're going to see the skills of Chopper here. This is no BB-8 situation. This is not like a cute little pet. This fucking thing rules. Xena Warrior Princess and it's Chopper. So cut to Sabine. She's in the hall with a mural. Uh, she walks up to it. The cartoon characters in the in the mural that we're seeing are exactly the renditions of the cartoon characters from Rebels. So it's like a little tie in there. She touches Ezra's face. That's a nice, um, whatever. It may not be nice to you, but it's it's an exact scene that happens in Rebels where there is a drawing of Ezra that she touches in the same exact manner. You can put them side to side. It's the exact same scene that happens in cartoon versus real life. Um, and then. Um, Oh, I, she also had pulled her Mandalorian armor off and, and cut her hair. P- pulled her Mandalorian armor out and cut her hair to is get, pra- I guess, sort of ready. Is that practically just so that it will fit under the helmet? Is that, is that the practical reason for why she did it? Also symbolically so. indicating that she's getting ready for war again? Yes, I think so. The only problem with that is that Sasha Banks did not agree to cut her hair before agreeing to be a Mandalorian that fought beside Bo-Katan, so she didn't have short hair. But all the other women we've seen who are Mandalorian have had short hair, uh, so I guess that could explain it. Mm. And anyway, she walks up to Ahsoka. Ahsoka says, "Nice haircut." She says, "More me." Hugh Yang tells the says that Sindula sends the transport. Said the transport was traced to the Denab system and it is in the orbit around the planet Cetos. Uh, Ahsoka says they better get moving, and off they go. On the ship, Huang tells her that she can proceed, uh, and she says, "Okay, take us out, Padawan." And Sabine does it, uh, sending them into hyperdrive. So. Uh, we we figure out that Ahsoka has agreed to train Sabine again. Sabine is in. And it's unclear to me Sabine's motivations. I guess we're going to get more of this as we go forward. But is it is she doing this because this is her best chance to see Ezra again? Or does she truly want to train with Ahsoka and be a Jedi at some point? I don't know. Or uh, not a Jedi. Uh, a a knight in the Academy of Force Users run by Ahsoka TM. That thing. Mm-hmm. She wants to know if she – so it's unclear, right? But I, one thing I noticed, uh, and I didn't see any of the people reviewing this shit catching this, so hour three of the podcast, I might be breaking some news here. When they go into hyperdrive, there's like a small flash. It's, you have to pause your screen to do it. There's like a fucking two seconds where they flash to the animation of Rebels. Did you see that? No. No. It flashes to the animation of Rebels right as they hitting because the lights come on as they're doing hyperspace, right? So it all gets bright, but then it flashes to one or two frames of the cartoon of their rendition. 
Um, is, this, is this is this daily Dave, Dave Filoni's the equivalent of Tyler Durden cutting his penis into the frame from Fight Club kind of thing? Did he cut in a, cut in a frame from the cartoon for his own sake? Yeah, that's that's good. That's a good comparison. Yeah, it was just a couple now, frames now of the, the cartoon. Credit now the cartoons get credit since they were part of this TV show. Sure, the animators have to get license, have to get space. And then we see the transport, and it goes up to some sort of large space station, and it lands, and we see Elspeth, and she's, we see holograms of Shin, Balin, and the Inquisitor. Interesting that the three of them are together. So it makes me think the Inquisitor might be working with Balin and Shin. Elspeth tells them the final hyperdrive is almost complete. The Eye of Scion is almost complete, and they will deliver Grand Admiral Thrawn from his exile in the far galaxy. Elspeth points out that the pre, um, that the presence of Ahsoka Tano on Corellia troubled Balin. And he's like, yeah, fucking it does. Yeah, it's a big fucking problem. Shin, you? Shin jumps in and goes in a not very Padawan way, right? This is also another bit of small evidence to me that she might be Balin's daughter because the way she just jumps into the conversation. Like, I mean, Anakin would do this shit, but this isn't what a Padawan normally would do. And says that, well, Anita, clean, clean escape. She couldn't attract us here, which we know is not correct. Balin says, well, uh, she's, she, uh, Elsbeth says to Balin, what do you see? He says, her presence in the force is elusive, yet her determination is vivid. She is coming. One of the better lines of the two episodes, I felt like. And she says, well, nothing can present, prevent our journey. And Balin actually says, well, it'd be a fucking shame to kill her. There's not many people who can do this stuff anymore. And she says, well, are you sentimental? And he goes, I'm just being truthful. So Balin has some conflicted loyalties there, and that's where we end the episode two. Boom, and a recap. Jimmy, two quick quick things on that. One, um, I mean, episode one with uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, like the pad one speaking up when he kind of shouldn't, that's not, that happens, like even in the Jedi who are more normal Jedi. So I don't know. It was also an example of Obi-Wan honestly fucking up in terms of just the, the, the room, the, the room that he was giving Anakin to hang himself with. But these guys are also dark Jedi of some capacity anyway, so, what? you know, any rules of decorum could go out the window for that reason alone. Or it could be his daughter, and she could be much, more comfortable. She could be much more comfortable with him. No, there's no possible way they tracked us here. Beep, beep, beep on the little wall behind her. Well, to, um, to be fair, to be fair, they did not track their shuttle. True. They tracked that fucker over there who is, you know, it, boomer. You know, you know who drove that one? Fucking yeah, Dave. Wizard. Let's go talk, about, talk to Dave right now. Yeah, Inquisitor Dave. Dave. He really fucked up. Right, man. Uh, the second thing was, this is this is what gave me closure on uh, Shin not killing her. Because what does her master say? Like, it would be a shame to kill these Jedi things. He wouldn't have. And so what is she? She's the Padawan who is, or the junior or the learner, who would not really want to go off book or something or wouldn't want to be the one responsible for killing Jedi if my boss, dad, guy wouldn't want to. So it, it really went hand in hand. She on purpose didn't flick her wrist and kill it because that wasn't the plan. Didn't need uh, to do it. We aren't just killers. We're not just Sith. Are they gray Jedi like I think of? Are they – I heard somebody say dark Jedi, whatever that means. I, I don't know what they are, but something in the middle. Uh, I think Dark Jedi is 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 literally what I described earlier with Balin, where it's a Jedi who turns but doesn't isn't involved with the Sith. Like it doesn't yeah. have a Sith it, master. It's a practitioner of the dark yeah. side without going into that particular aspect of it. Um, so like Samuel L. Jackson on a grumpy day. He was a purple sure. Jedi. He was a purple Jedi. Uh, well, God. Uh, so like dark purple. If we can have some dark purple Jedi. Yeah, well, magenta Jedi. Also, yeah. just for those playing the home game, there is no safe place where you can stab your friends in the chest. Don't experiment with the safe place where they can be stabbed. 
But what if I use lightning when I do it to cauterize the wound? I could use a... Would you like to kill them faster? <laughs> no, no, no. If I do the soldering iron all the way up to high. I heard okay. this one the other day. Please, I heard this let's one. add that to the indictment. I heard this one the other day that like they're showing a lot of people get like stabbed in the stomach and survive the lightsaber wound, but that Qui Gon didn't survive it because he was ready to go. How about that fuck one, Spencer? That noise. He was ready no, to go. Just fuck that so. Much. He was ready to go to the other side, Spencer. Come on. Yeah, that's why he showed back up in Obi Wan. That's a guy that was that's ready to let go of the mortal coil. Oh man! All right, I I think we're done with segments. I think we've we've covered this series. Um, I am the, the, the let me go yep. ahead. Uh, should we do best line or uh, favorite nostalgic moment? Stuff like that? No, no. Come on, I wrote something We're three down. hours into this thing. Okay, hey, well, if you wrote something down, then, then do it. Who's going to be sad for three more minutes after three hours? All right, fine, do it. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't write anything down for it, but you go. Spencer's excited. I, I never write anything down. Come on. Uh, just, just a couple things that I like from a nostalgic standpoint that we can debate best line. But nostalgic standpoint, I actually really loved the first episode that we got a home one mention. Home one showing up, showing up in Return of the Jedi, the flagship of the, of the Rebel Alliance fleet. Chandler's pressing his little button. I don't care what home one is. It's a big ship. That's all it, I care. It's it was, big. it was literally named in Return of the Jedi. It, get, it, it gets, it gets to be part of the series. It's also, it, 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 all kinds of things, the flagship of the Rebel Alliance fleet that carried over the Republic. So that's fun. Which is the Dathomir. They're part of the lore. They've been part of the Legends canon for a while in a lot of ways. To be fair, I took the batteries out of my beeper because nostalgic moment of the episode should be about some other. Yes. Life. <laughs> uh, uh, the Hoth medical droid, a two one B medical droid, shows up to treat Sabine. Straight up, it could be the one that treated Luke on Hoth. No, who knows? Maybe. I liked that too. Uh, and just from a personal person standpoint, I love maps, and I particularly love galaxy maps and space maps. So the end credits here are utter catnip to me. Watching that kind of just expanding line with the ancient here be dragons kind of style associated with that of the space whales and whatever else, that's just visually gorgeous and sets up a lot of just the physical blocking of where we seem like we're maybe going in the series. That's just a nice touch. And that's coupled with the actual physical map showing up when Morgan, you know, sets up a physical, you know, like 3D map around them in a way it's also visually striking too. I'm hoping that they're literally just galaxy jumping rather than going different universes. Lee's saying it may not be the case, and in which case I will hate if they're doing multiple universe theory kind of shift, but we'll find out with that. Um, and in terms of quotes, Lee, I, I, you, you marked one of the ones I very much liked, but um, a lot, uh, just a, a couple ones that I particularly enjoyed are um, uh, early one between our two Dark Jedi, but Master, what happens when we find Thrawn? For some war, for others a new beginning, and for us, power such as you've never dreamed. These are interesting, compelling characters. I almost feel like I'd want a series built around them rather than all these other other established lore characters that otherwise come across as wooden and wooden and not very involved in even their own stories. Um, the last line you just mentioned in this episode: the appearance of Sokotano and the Corellian system troubles you. It does, and everything going on that. And his little last line about there are so few Jedi left with Morgan calling him out sentimental and him just saying, simply saying truth. There are conflicted motivations with these characters in the way it's going to be very interesting to unpack. And whether they be great Jedi, some different aspect of dark Jedi that are doing their own thing, or maybe even just still adherence of some version of the Jedi code they've twisted into their own. I don't know, but there's a lot of potential associated with that. And, and you, you've done a lot of the other big quotes, and if we're not doing that, I won't go into them, but... I'm curious to hear from you guys. 
In terms of just the broader Disney television medium, where would you rank this so far based on two episodes in? Well, hold on. You were, you did some the best lines there, right? I did. I did a couple, uh, but you, you said we were skipping that, so I was just going to rush through it. Well, I was going to throw it over to Jamie to see which one he liked best of the ones you pointed out. Maybe that's a great way to do the second. Good way to do the second. Well, if, if you want a couple other options, I wrote down a few more, but also the whole speech from that one factory owner about just the utter indifference of him to the politics of the universe, like, do the facilities here still employ her former staff? Of course. There was no way to remain operational. An empire doesn't just become a republic overnight. You will find many ex-imperials at every level of the new republic government. But don't you worry about their loyalty? Not at all. The average worker doesn't care about the nuances of galactic politics. They have loyalty so long as they are paid. And you? I'm a businessman general. My loyalty is my investors. I'll leave the politics to you. That felt very actual, like, you know, the fall of Nazi Germany kind of thing. You still got to employ all the same people kind of argument that at a certain point, a person's loyal to their paycheck. And we've heard that before repeatedly, that people aren't loyal to the new republic. They're loyal to just the idea of things remaining as is and them making their paycheck. So it's nice to have a character voice what seems to be a recurrent theme in a lot of the Disney Star Wars uh, media. Um Another one, it doesn't matter. I never had the talent, the abilities, not like Ezra and the droids saying that's not, that much is true. Thanks. I have known many Padawans over the centuries, and I can safely say your aptitude for the Force would fall short of them all. Well, then, I won't waste any more of your time. The only time you're wasting is yours alone. I like that. I like that, again, that a person who's still even weak in the Force could still have potential so long as they invest the time and work in it. And his way of encouraging her, while in some ways one could interpret as very dismissive, He's focusing on what she can achieve and just understanding who she is and what the potential still is that lies there. I like that lot. So there's so four I, to pick from. Well, apparently I've been given the, the Kingmaker Tridents, and I, that I'm trademarking that phrase that I made mm. up, um, to say I, I'll, give, I'll give two from what you said, because I think you hit all the good ones, but I, I have two favorites from those. Um, and the first one is I really liked um, the – yeah, the only time you're wasting is your own, because that hit in a way that I think I'm going to remember that phrase and like try to. I feel like that's something which is inspirational. Person, it actually is inspirational in a way that's almost cheesy to say, because that's there's a lot of depth there, and there's a lot that like you can get out for your own life from that. Um, the second one, which I liked, because yeah, as lawyers, I I, I heard it extra strong. My loyalty is to my investors. It's like, look, my loyalty is to my clients, and that's the way that I'm ethical. Now, he was clearly greedy, sleazebag, working with the Empire, bad, whatever. But the thing – he was given the right answer of, like, I know where my loyalty lies, and that is to the people who I, who I have a duty of loyalty to. The end. I, I'm, I'm working within your laws. Notably, he didn't pull a gun at the end. Everybody else in the room did. He just hid behind a droid. The man was yep. getting paid. And he might have even been oblivious to that there was empire going on, maybe. I don't know. And I kind of don't care that much. Um, honorable mention, though, to the, you know, shame to kill her, because that was such an efficient way to explain his place in the world and how mm-hmm. he respects the Jedi and wants the Jedi to still exist, even though he's willing and able to kill them and is not one himself and is going to you know, abuse their name when he needs to and stuff. So that was such an efficient way to world build this person and his order, maybe his, his order of one. So I honorable mention for that one. So I said I was going to give you one and I gave you three because Trident's 
have three points. Bravo, sir. If I was naming a Star Wars character after them, I'd name him Tridentia. Uh, Lee, to kick it back to you then, rank, rank your Disney your Disney Star Wars television media uh, two, two episodes into this. Where would this fall in terms of the broader lexicon at present? The best thing... And Jamie, you pondered for a second. It's going back be, to you. Because you have to combine... Because, because you have to combine the seasons together when you're talking about this. Or, or if you want to divide them up, you can too. If you want, if you can, if you can make it that. No, that, that, that gets too. It just, it, this gets too long. Let's just do it where you're you're talking about the shows, right? So, Mandalorian gets dragged down from season three. So Andor is my favorite. Mandalorian would be second. Uh, Obi Wan would be third. No, this would be third. Obi Wan would be fourth. Um, and then Boba Fett last is probably where I'm I'm at. Uh, Jamie, what about you? Uh, were so, you flipping him the finger? Well, for what part of that? What? The disrespect for the Obi-Wan TV show will not be allowed to slide in my presence. I'm just putting this out there. Like, I, I kind of have to give the same ranking by and large, but see, you're saying how you don't think this worked all that well, and you put Obi-Wan beneath it anyway? Oh my goodness. Obi-Wan was great. Uh, I, I refuse to actually rank this right now because we're only <laughs> up- <laughs> Will, why won't do you it? defy my question? I, I, I do because, okay, I, Mandalorian season three was significantly worse than season one and two, but it was overall pretty good. See, episode one of season three was, I think, the absolute worst and most boring, and I just remember hating it. Mm. I, I, a new show does get like an episode or, or two to get its feet settled what's going on. I'm, I'm willing to give them four to find their legs. Yep. Four so I get Spencer's, cut it off four. I I am um, I if I had to pick I would probably rank this last, but I don't think well, that's accurate. Worse than Boba Fett? Oh wait, no, I forgot Boba Fett existed. <laughs> Block that shit out. <laughs> no, okay, second worst after Boba Fett. Sorry. I I I'd put it above Boba Fett. Yep. At present, I put it above Boba Fett. I put it above Obi Wan. Sorry, Jamie. And I put it above season three of Mandalorian. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, but I would put season two, season one of Mandalorian and Andor probably in that order, above, above, farther above that. You are yeah. going to be, for, I'm going to require you both to keep rewatching Obi Wan until you appreciate it. Andor being the best. I, yeah, you, you can try, man. I, I thought, I thought Obi Wan, its last episode was effective, but man, it was a weird meandering journey to get there. For what it's worth. That does go in line with what I said, where I'm okay coming halfway in through a show because I, I care about the ending more than other stuff. If you stick the ending, I will forgive some weakness in the beginning. If your ending is terrible, I'm looking at you, Cube, and Cube 2, Hypercube, and Babel, and City of Angels, <laughs> all the movies that have terrible endings I can think of. Mm. Look at the movies. If you have a bad ending, uh, your great premise falls flat for me. So, yes... If the ending pays off, I will forget a lot. Maybe that's a lot. I, and I will be here at the end to see what your end up, your final conclusions are. Better than yeah. Both. Okay, I think right. I, 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 do, I will since we're already doing the segments. I will say like for somebody who watched Clone Wars and Rebels, there's a ton of nostalgic moments. Like I'm sure it's like littered. Um, probably I'm my my buzzer away for you. I have no buzzer now. Go for it. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I don't want to wrap up before too long, but I would say that probably... It's your top three. 
Yeah. So, um, number one would probably be her seeing Ezra and the emotional effect that, that she had there when she saw Ezra on the hologram, even though I didn't love the hologram message too well. Uh, let, I'm not ranking them in any order. Let's not say number one, but one of the three, you're maybe. You're uh, what would be another really good one here? Probably. I don't know. I didn't. I wish I'd written this segment down. There's a lot of them. Uh, definitely the the cartoon image that that is thrown up on the mural. I like that, and I like the in world explanation that Sabine drew it. Uh, because we also, you know, we got a lot of Sabine being an artist and Rebels, and then you also get the little moment where you see her bunk that she had in Ghost from Rebels, where she had drawn uh, on the on the wall. Because that's another that that bunk that she's in. Uh, that they showed that's a bunk that she stayed in, in in Rebels and you saw the drawings on the wall and all that stuff. And I guess maybe the last one would be like the just the idea that we're going to get a resolution from the cliffhanger that what I mean, it, I don't know, maybe cliffhanger is not the right word. But at the end of season four of Rebels, when Ezra and fucking Thrawn fuck off on the Purgles, which is a scene I've described on the podcast so far. We were all all left going like, what the fuck? And I thought that it would be explained through comics. I that, I was sure of it. I was like, oh, this absolutely sets because it's like getting into different galaxies, potentially different universes. Like it's like he was he had a a, a force meld with the the purgles that was allowing the purgle to like strap thrown in, and they took off this scene right for for like a comic book or a book explanation. The fact we're going to get it in live action is really exciting. I can see how like Rebels fans are fired up for this. Like there's a guy uh has a YouTube channel Star Wars Theory. He's kind of like a little bit controversial in the fandom, but he, he does have a lot of followers and he's like a big Rebels fan and he's like over the moon about this series. He thinks it's like the greatest thing because if you followed Rebels really close and you liked it, uh then then there's all these there's all these opportunities to tie up some loose ends from that, like the relationship between Ezra and Sabine. Um, there's also like a, a backstory with Syndulla that would be interesting to go into if they want to. I, I wonder if Syndulla is just going to be the sort of like amorphous, like New Republic military leader that we get sometimes in these shows where they just sort of come in every once in a while. You don't get much of it. But if we got more of, of Syndulla's backstory and like how, she actually joined up with the New Republic and like what she did in episode four, five, and six. That'd be kind of cool. And then we're going to have to get some sort of explanation at some point. And this has been on the back burner for a while of, okay, Ahsoka got stuck in the war between worlds. How the fuck did she get out of it? When did she get out of it? And when did she start training Sabine? Like, I would really appreciate some sort of explanation about that because basically Rebels ends with Ahsoka like stuck between time and space. She's not in a real like place and she's just stuck there. And we, we we were left to think that maybe that's the end of Ahsoka's story because she doesn't show up in episode four, five and six, nor is she referenced at all. Right. So the thought is that maybe that was her ending. Clearly it wasn't. So I'd like to see some sort of explanation there. That's what I got. I think they gave us that explanation. Somehow. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. yeah Somehow it's... Ahsoka returned. I, I hope they actually say that sentence. Oh, well, that's that's actually bleeding into your own language in terms of describing events now. It's just like your loyalty to the new films. Just, it, it's now informing your reality. You know, I gotta, before we go, like, Jamie does carry the banner for the new films. I went back and watched The Force Awakens the other day. 
It is a New Hope remake, but it's fun. It's a fun fucking movie. I'm okay with Force Awakens. It's just what the hell happened from there. Okay, maybe I, maybe we'll cover that at some point. Criticizing real hard on um, well, and and as I admitted, there there are flaws, but in, in eight, <laughs> eight, I I love and hate eight, but mostly love. My love is stronger than my hate, but I have both. Nine happened, but <laughs> nine happened. You're you're a great Jedi when it comes to Episode Nine. <laughs> Oh, another thing is that the, you you remember in, in Mandalorian season three when we met Zeb? Yeah, vaguely. Zeb Zeb was on Ghost with the rest of these crew. This crew, he was part of this whole crew with Sabine and Ahsoka and Ezra and Syndulla. He was in that group, so maybe we could get like Zeb to reappear with with Syndulla and like to, between the two of them, that could give us a backstory of like how those two in particular seem to join up with the New Republic and fight in the war. That was the bat dude that talked with Mr. Kim, right? Yes, the purple guy. Yeah, that's him. Okay. That that, okay. that, that sentence made very little sense, I'm sure, to a lot of people, but I'm glad you got it. Yeah. Oh, right no, he, he, he talked about it on the other thing, so I knew, even though I have no idea who that is, I don't care. I was actually hitting my buzzer over here because I don't care, but I didn't know what he was talking about, so it's okay. All right. Well, there we go. There we go. We've done it. Episode one and two of Ahsoka. I enjoyed doing this with you guys. This has been fun to... Review the episode, but then bat around our ideas about how they approached it and how they're doing the storytelling. I think this has all been good, but good conversation. I've enjoyed it. Spencer, thanks for joining. We will be back with you in probably what, two more episodes? I think that would hit the, the middle episode four. I think there's eight episodes of this. Uh, so maybe five and eight I'll be back for, I guess. We could do five and we could do at the end of, uh, end of the series. That works for me. I'll Jamie? At that point, Spencer, on how I feel about the series. Good. Jamie? Jimmy, you and I will be back to review episode three next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you next week to review episode three of Ahsoka. See you then.